Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hi. This is the Ambassador, the Sixth Doctor. On behalf of Dave AC, Randall Thor, and the rest of the Colton Collective, I'd like to wish you a very happy birthday, Doctor Who. The spoilers start now. Elizabeth told us where to find it and its significance. You okay? He was there. He was me. The other me. The one I don't talk about. I understand. I've had many faces, many lives. I don't admit to all of them. There's one life I've tried very hard to forget. He was the doctor who fought in the Time War, and that was the day he did it. The day I did it. The day he killed them all. The last day of the Time War. The war to end all wars between my people and Daleks. And in that battle, there was a man with more blood on his hands than any other. A man who would commit a crime that would silence the universe. And that man was me. for my turn because <laughs> yeah. Ian what, for 50? he just no Ian he, <laughs> just, time ago. he just doesn't want to go <laughs> <laughs> oh dear alright well let's see who else is chomping at the bit to go uh, a little bit of change in things today I'm just going to introduce everybody and then we're going to go straight to it okay joining us on audio are going to be Mr. Dar Skeptical Logan is here Perry G is here Mr. Randall Thor Rick Wall's here Jeff the seventh doctor and Kobo is here, and Mr. Cuddly Ken. And under the cone of silence, we are being joined by Carte Blanche, DM Walling. Hi, Diane. Uh, Jorvik is here. Mad Hell. Capaldi's eyes. <coughs> Merlin. Uh, <laughs> Make old scarf. And Light Leader just wandered in. Uh, plus, Guest 6 and Guest 8 are here. So, that's everybody. All right. <laughs> We're going to skip news. Uh, <laughs> and we're going to skip how you join the collective, because if you don't know and you're here, how'd you get here? Anyway, um, so straight into it, Dave. Have you got a clip to bring us up to speed? I have. I think we've got to just remind people what the episode is. We're talking about uh, <laughs> Doctor Who the Day. Of... Well, the reason is, I think the reason is, 
we've been inundated. Fantastic. I mean, in the after the starvation that they were here in the UK, we've had for weeks leading up to the 50th, uh, we've suddenly been inundated with great programmes. But today we're just focusing on Doctor the De- uh, Doctor Who, the Day of the Doctor review. And um, here's an opening clip, and then we'll be going to our cuddly Ken for our uh, first thoughts on the episode. The High Council is an emergency session. They have plans of their own. To hell with the High Council. Their plans have already failed. Gallifrey is still in the line of fire. So, he was there then. He left a message. A written warning for the Daleks. He's a fool. No, he's a madman. As you can see, sir, all Dalek fleets surrounding the planet now converging on the capital, but the sky trenches are holding. Where did he go next? What does it matter? This is their biggest ever attack, sir. They're throwing everything at us. We have a security breach to the time vaults. The Omega Arsenal. Forbidden weapons are locked away. They're not forbidden anymore. We've used them all against the Daleks. No. No, we haven't. The moment is gone. I don't understand. What is the moment? I've never heard of it. The Galaxy Eater. Final work of the ancients of Gallifrey. A weapon so powerful the operating system became sentient. According to legend, it developed a conscience, and we've never used it. How do you use a weapon of ultimate mass destruction when it can stand in judgment on you? There is only one man who would even try. Yes, and the moment is upon us, and that moment is delivered by Ken. Hi, Ken, you've got the honour of taking us off onto the review of Day of the Doctor. I'll brush off the dust of the Battle of Arcadia and give my thoughts. Um, first off, what, what an amazing weekend, and just feeling of gratefulness just to be a Doctor Who fan right now. With, with everything we've been given, uh, all, all the drought of the wilderness years, and loving the show now as I have for 30 years, I, I would never believe that this would happen that we'd have an entire week of programming in the U.S. given almost totally to Doctor Who, that we'd have specials like this, that the show would come back so triumphantly. Um, it is just amazing. I, I have to give a caveat before I even speak on this. I was so overwhelmed by Adventure of Space and Time that I really have to say that was my anniversary special. Um, it, 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 I'll get into it in such detail next week, but after sobbing uncontrollably at the end of it, dramatically, it's hard for anything to top that for being an homage to the show itself in my book. That being said, um, name of the doctor, night of the doctor and day of the doctor taken together really fine and you know applause to Stephen Moffat for paying such respect for what RTD put down 
w- without denigrating anything he did, without very skillfully kind of tiptoeing around and I wouldn't say even changing it up by 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 playing with the tropes and leaving it intact but also adding a hopeful coda, you know, at the end. He's left it for himself and uh future showrunners that instead of a show about a man having blood on his hands and being this having survivor's guilt he's a man now searching for hope he's a man whose goal is to heal the universe and and irrevocably himself and and that's the thing it's it's a little hard for me to take after being so enthralled by end of time. You know, I, I love that so much. And to see the kind of obscenity of the Time Lords, that you are so bad that it, it wasn't just having to destroy them because it was a matched battle, but because the Time Lord Council had become as degenerate as the Daleks themselves. What I loved about this without getting into all the details of plot and things. And we, we have our very typical Stephen Moffat time tropes bouncing back and forth. Clever quality to it. This had, a, without it being called it, this was the Doctor's Christmas Carol. This had such a Dickensian feel. Um, the warrior Doctor the doctor who regrets, the doctor who forgets, and him coming to grips with the ghost of his past, literally in the form of a ghost of past and present in in the form of Rose Tyler as the bad wolf. And I really appreciated that we didn't just have Rose back or the Pete's World Rose or or any of that. Wolf. The bad wolf. Yeah, this is the, this is the bad wolf. Rose, which which was such a, a a beautiful link with the Eccleston Doctor, the omniscient godlike Rose, and and that fit that that fit this so much that that would come out of the mind, you know, a, a great love of of the Doctor friendship and, and more so that that would be you know the mor- the moral compass of whether the Doctor would. Uh, repeat what he had to do at the time. But given the 400 years loathing himself, you know, and, and then, then we do this. What better way to confront something like that? Having, yeah. well, an evilish or a nasty-ish person confront another nasty-ish person. Yeah, but there, there was, there was a, right, but there, there was a benign... Uh, That's why I avoided saying evil. Yeah, roguishness to her. It was like, I love the kind of minx-like quality she had in the beginning. Like, hot. Yes. Like, I try to be. Yes. And, and it's like her, her, her clothing's a bit, you know, Stevie Nicks-ish. Off, off-putting. This, this, this is a Rose Tyler we've never seen. Really good performance by Billy Piper, very different. And it gets better as, as, as the film goes along. Um, 
to to the main players, Matt Smith, I'm gonna miss I'm gonna miss him. I am going to miss him. He he was so fine here. I, I have loved his doctor. Um, as I've said and I'll say a million times before, Tennant and Baker are my doctors and I'm grinning right now, folks. You know why? Um, <laughs> for that. But he he really did a fine job in this. He kept some of the overdone mannerisms down, and he was just right. And combined with David Tennant, and it was like old home week, it's like he never left, and part of me is going, don't go again, don't go, stay here. Uh, he had so much fun. It was, it was the lighter aspect of the tenth. You know, um, I, it was a nice balancey act of dark and light um, in in this film to give it a celebratory feel w- without it giving it, I mean, as a very dark subject, but to have the playfulness, um, I might add a very saucy um, Queen Elizabeth. I don't think uh, we've ever seen a Queen Elizabeth uh, like this before. Kind of reminded me a, a bit of, Queenie and Black Adder, you know, a, a bit of that. I, I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, nice, nice to see the Zygons back. I don't know if they were used as well as they could have been, but it, it, it gave for a lot of fun moments. Uh, priceless, again, priceless bits with, with um, Matt Smith and David Tennant, the Sonic, Sonic screwdriver uh, whipping out so to speak, uh, was was amazing. Mine's bigger than yours. Uh, the the brainy specs, joy at each other, wearing of the fez. The, oh, they, they're a great comedy team. They are they are so good together. They they are just playing off and embracing um, each other's doctors and having so much fun. These uh, you know it, it's it is too bad that. You know, they said they'd love to work together, you know, in this. Love to see them do a Shakespeare production or something together. But, you know, this was this was joyful uh, casting. Um, John Hurt, he's become a legend, and for good reason. Gives it a, a solidity and a reverence and a nice kind of wit going, do you always have to talk like babies? What is this timey wimey stuff? What is what is with you people? Can't you be a dog? Grow up, yeah, really. You know, and I I love the way that uh, David Tennant's doctor just kind of fends it up. Well, oh, I don't know where he gets this timey wimey from. And he's uh, the uh, he's the youngest doctor in the group, also. Yeah, which is which is great. And um, Clara has some wonderful moments, although. A bit short shrift. You you can't. You've got to give it to the to the main people to have. But some wonderful moments with John Hurt, which I think were the key of it, were the key to it. Um, nice uh, see um, Kate Lethbridge Stewart back. Very nice having uh, the unit feel. I think I heard her reference Malcolm. So we have the the scientist who is, like, so enamored with the doctor back then and uh, the kind of Quatermass connection, you know, his, you know, uh, 
I think he was referenced. I think I heard I heard in a line there. Yeah, she called him to uh, tell him a couple of things. Yeah, um, it it got a little convoluted in the middle about who's falling where and where they are and which painting and and all of this, but that goes by the wayside when when we get to the climax and this is revelation and i'll i'll bring up now it it kind of echoes man of steel i think in a way of showing that's something where you don't really think about something that has a dark ending and going oh you know what the heck why not let let's just do it and not be really true to the measure of a character we've had a doctor ripped apart with the blood on his hands and without retconning without saying it didn't happen without angering the fans who've loved so much what RTD did this is now going well everything did happen it's going to happen the Rassilon becomes that maniac we saw uh who wants to take that final sanction. All is as it was, but out of it all, after all that happened, the doctor gave hope. And I thought this was brilliant. We hear It wasn't that we saw the time war that was important to me. We've had incredible special effects, dramatic vistas on this show before. I'm sure that looked fantastic in 3D. But it's nothing I haven't seen before. What I loved was the human face to it. The children and people of Gallifrey. We're not just seeing them talk. It's not just haughty, arrogant time lords being killed. It's making a point to say, how many children died? Did you ever count? And that had me tear up, and that was beautiful and wonderful writing from Stephen Moffat putting it in, giving it that grace, leading to an ending which, yes, I would have liked more of all of the living doctors in this film, but let's be reasonable, I don't think it could have been done. I think if you match it with in the name of the doctor um, and the the beauty of what happened in, in bringing uh, Paul McGann back, the revelation of that and the joy of that, um, you combine all this together. There were very nice homages to the entire show. But then to see all of the doctors and their TARDISes and God bless it, I can say it now, all of the doctors, oh, I couldn't believe it. And just the eyes. And this this sets me up. If we're going to be this impressed by just a furrowed brow, we're in some, we're in some good Doctor Who coming up from Peter Capaldi. You know, despite, what the, despite what the Tenant fangirls might, might, might be having their trepidation about Oh, he's not sexy enough. 
you know, I am I am thrilled at the choice, and what a bold stroke putting that in there, just having that, and totally out of the blue, totally out of the blue. Uh, the gifts keep coming, and to to have that done, and then as. Moffat said he wanted the completest. We we have the war doctor or whatever number now, because this is another question and a question we're, we're going to have answered perhaps at Christmas. Uh, Stephen Moffat has maybe rewritten the book and is something planned on the future of regeneration with what he's done. Because this isn't a doctor we didn't find out, well, it wasn't the doctor, or we forgot about the doctor. The doctor embraced himself. Now, the only one who will have memory of these events from this will be the, the Matt Smith doctor, and perhaps future. You know, David Tennant's doctor, the 10th, has no memory. The 9th has no memory. And the war doctor regenerates and you know I it would have been nice had Chris Eccleston you know come in and you know I I don't know how much uh you know Moffat would have wanted him to do maybe just a regeneration maybe more but I did I did I imagine it did I see a bit of Eccleston's eyes there at the end I I thought so as, as we saw the regeneration Okay, that's the end. Really nice. No? The curator. Um, we didn't even have to see the face. We heard that voice. Voice. That wonderful, wonderful voice. And, well, he wouldn't come back for the 20th, but bless him. And what a amazing performance and metaphorically what does it mean is he a doctor now now where was that at the end was that the unit gallery or that was a, a, a different art gallery it, it seemed to be a different place from the exterior he said that he bought it that he bought it right and you notice the the imagery on the wall the other side of the wall the roundels the TARDIS rondels. Oh, that's another thing. When they had the TARDISes and we saw the rondels, what are those? Oh, it's the holes. What are they for? I don't know. That was great. We got to see the tenant TARDIS again and the comment about not liking it. But the, the you redecorated it. You redecorated it. I don't like it. Don't like it. You know, echoes of the past there. But we, we get... Uh, Tom Baker as this character, the curator, fill in the blank to what that means, whether he is or isn't, and that's that's it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, but it's a scene with such love. And then we have the Doctor's dream that now now he can go home, make a home, the long way around. Oh, that was a beautiful last image. 
all of them all oh, standing right. there gazing at Gallifrey. You know. Um well, CGI could have been done a bit better, but it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, it could have. The others could have moved and you know, it could have, but you know, we we can parse we can parse bits of it and all that. But uh fine job. And um we're really lucky. It's it's not you know, it's this this is a show and we're doing it right now. This is a show that you start just liking and embrace and you embrace friends and it brings people together. And we're talking right now as a family discussing something that means so much to us on this anniversary and all I'll say is again is hooray for cultum and happy birthday Doctor Who. Happy birthday and happy Thanksgiving coming up to us Americans. Yes. And those are my thoughts. Okay. Um, well, we were going to go to um, Logan, but he's, uh, he has dropped off. I'll hopefully go to... Uh, oh, Mike's dropped off audio as well. They're dropping like flies. Oh, oh, oh. Well, since we've heard from Rick Wall, we'll, we'll, we'll let Rick Wall go, but I'll play a clip prior to you coming on, Rick Wall. So um, let me play the clip. And uh, we'll go to you. All right. Who is this man? This is what I was wondering. A very skinny. That is proper skinny. I've never seen it from the outside. It's like a special effect. Boys. Ha, matchstick man. Compensating? For what? Regeneration to lottery. Oh, he's cool. Isn't he cool? I'm the doctor and I'm all cool. Oops, I'm wearing sand shoes. What are you doing here? I'm busy. Oh, busy. I see. Is that what we're calling it, eh? Hey? Hello, ladies. Don't start. Listen, what you get up to in the privacy of your own regeneration is your business. One of them is a Zygon. Oh, I'm not judging you. Your Majesties, probably a good time to run. But what about the creature? Elizabeth, whichever one of you is the real one, turn and run in the opposite direction to the other one. Of course, my love. Stay alive, my love. I am not done with you yet. Mm. 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 <gasps> Thanks. Lovely. I understand. Live for me, my darling. We shall be together again. Mm. Mm. <sighs> oh, well, that'd be nice. One of those was a Zygon. Yeah. Big red rubbery thing, covered in suckers. Yeah. Venom sacks in the tongue. Yeah, I'm getting the point, thank you. Nice. Doctor, is that you? Ah, hello, Clara, can you hear me? Yeah, it's me, we can hear you. Where are you? Where are we? England, 1562. Who are you talking to? Myself. <laughs> and by the way, I apologise if I'm, I'm missing out sections that you, and there's no way possible that we can reference bits. Uh, I, I just wanted to have at least one of the light-hearted moments in there. And anybody else at that kissing scene thought of uh, a red dwarf moment where uh, <laughs> he's doing a certain unfortunate kissing with a monster in that? But there you go. Uh, <laughs> Rick Wall. Well, uh, let's see. Where can I start? 
Uh, well, how about uh, um, the uh, youngest doctor telling uh, the older ones to grow up? I like that bit. Um, uh, I thought, uh, uh, and that was a uh, interesting uh, thing, being the youngest in my family and always being told to grow up by my older siblings. Uh, I thought, it's, you know, it's all right, Rick. Well, you've not succeeded. <laughs> I thought, uh, uh, you know, it would be a uh, good revenge uh, thing to see a younger sibling, so to speak, uh, get their uh, revenge. Uh, and, uh, um, you know, I I was shocked by the... Uh, um, um, uh, uh, MacGuffin of of uh, putting in the bad wolf girl. I liked it. Uh, don't get me wrong. And uh, as I said, you know, how else do you talk to a baddish, evilish guy than have somebody the same? You know, I I've I've always been put off by um, um, goody goodies trying to talk to. Uh, um, uh, evil people, you know, uh, with the goody goodies having like a higher, holier than thou attitude. I'm sitting there, that doesn't really work. You know, you're just antagonizing the evil guy. Talk to him at his level. Uh, and, uh, You know, I, I I thought, wow, what a what a great concept. Um, as for the battle, uh, I actually I would have liked to see a little more. Um, uh, but um, you know, of course, you would have. Uh, missed quite a few things, but still, I don't know. I like the, the the battle scene and the people running away, and then you know, seeing you know that war really is hell. You know, uh, um, uh, people, other people besides the combatants get hurt, and that was shown. Um, I know in real life we get shown that all the time, but still. Um, well, your overall thoughts. I mean, you, you've just picked a few of them. I mean, I mean, where are you coming from in terms of your review? I, I mean, do you like a few quibbles? Do you like everything or what? I thought it was a great episode. Uh, um, you know, was it perfect? Is anything? Uh, but um, you know. Um, I, I, I could have used a little less humor, I guess, um, but I, I did like some of the funny parts. Like, I liked the, uh, the Zygon being the horse and, and, and the doctor accusing Elizabeth of, of being a Zygon, and then he realizes, wait a minute, it's my horse, isn't it? <laughs> I like that bit. Uh, but overall, I had no problems whatsoever with anything, really. Um, 
know, I, it made sense in, in, in and of itself. Uh, and the series, I liked uh, that they uh, regenerated the War Doctor and not uh, um, uh, Smith. I thought that was different. And uh, I hoped Capaldi could carry on whatever happens and he becomes a good doctor. Again, like I said, the the jury's out. I got to see him in some episodes. Okay. Any more things you want to pick up? Uh, I mean, you can come back in. I mean, we we haven't got that many people on audio, so you can have a second bite if you want to have a think, and we'll we'll move on and come back to you. Yeah, move on because I'm just going to sit back, and then I have a funny feeling somebody's going to come down and wanting to go out. So <laughs> I'll be here though. Okay. okay. Well, I, I thought Ian, if it's okay with you, I'll go next, and then. Um, uh, then we'll see if uh, Jeff might want to to go. Unless you, unless you're keen to have your chat. No, go ahead. I'm hearing a little bit of feedback from somewhere. Rick, well, do you want to just mute yourself now? You've finished talking, and uh, that would be great if you could. Okay. Well, first of all, so many homages here. Um, uh, my overall impression, just to give you that, to where I'm coming from to start with, is this is fantastic. Oh, this is silly. This is fantastic. This is silly. And my only really, uh, and, oh, and fantastic at the end. My only really downside is, um, first of all, all the David Tennant fans must have been absolutely dead pleased that David Tennant is back in the show. But unfortunately for me, he turned out to be uh, the, the light-hearted uh, aspect of the show. Where he seemed to, uh, you know, all the silly bits, and I saw them as silly bits. I mean, obviously, we, we had this... Uh, Alien that were, people had been wanting to come back, the Zygon. So uh, I must admit, uh, you know, the showrunner had given us lots of uh, uh, things that we wanted. But it, basically, it could have been any alien, I would have thought, that could have been served. Because we had virtually two threads, the main, the main story of the Time War, and then this second uh, story going on ahead. Um, uh, but like that little clip, I, I played that little silly clip, but in actual fact, I didn't particularly like all that, you know, with the... It was nice to see the the horse come out uh, and the bits that Rickwall meant, but um, there was an awful lot of silliness. But I suppose it was there to counterpoint all the quite uh, horrific things that were actually being dealt with. Right, let's go right back to start. How great was it? It started in black and white. I mean, uh, there was the the sign saying Totters Lane, and I was saying to Ian last night, it said Totters Lane, so like 75 yards. So <laughs> Ian and Barbara had to drive all the way in that piece of super to find Totters Lane. It was only 75 yards away from the school. But, um, and, of course, it was Coal Hill School. So it, it was great. Uh, we had the, the very nice early scenes, which, again, I had to skip because this, uh, I can't play too many clips. Um, but we, we even had the companion clicking the fingers to close the TARDIS door. How good was that? Um, uh, we had lots of references. We we had the uh, the TARDIS uh, uh, being carried. Uh, uh, we had uh, the Tower of London as the 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 base for unit. We had uh, mechanical ravens. It would seem our battery powered ravens <laughs> the site, and um, lots of things to go on to it. Um, 
I thought it worked really well. We had seen, and I think Mike had referenced it, the little uh, preview that they'd done, which was in that art gallery with the, the broken pictures and the fact that creatures had escaped from that as a, an early scene. And we had the explanation of the Fez. I'm sure Mike, if he does get back on audio, will tell you about, um, he's not really sure about where that Fez came from. But the point is, it linked in nicely because, of course, the the 11th Doctor, when he saw the Fez, says, oh, this is where I come in. Because as the 10th Doctor, he'd already found the Fez because the Fez uh, landed there, didn't it? So um, there was an awful lot in it. So then there was this great great, um, war and the uh, no more... uh, symbol put on we had all the events around gallifrey that referenced of course the last day which um which i suppose brought the relevance re- of that can't say the word into the story so there was an awful lot there um but uh, then of course we had um uh, the the warrior doctor uh and by the way i should just say now i didn't see this in 3d in hd it looks stunning i don't know what it was, but they certainly worked on this because um, the 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 image detail and some of the close-up was fantastic, and uh, it really did look the business. Uh, I was quite pleased in a way that the the Rose character, as being said in the room, uh, wasn't really Rose. It was just uh, an imprint of Rose used for the interface, uh, but that worked very well. It allowed her to be uh, introduced. We had a lovely scene. In fact, let me play it, and I will. Um, I, I might straddle my comments after places uh, the longest clip of a lot, I'm afraid. But um, there were just two good things side by side, so I put them both in. Here we go. Good afternoon. I'm looking for the doctor. Well, you've certainly come to the right place. Good, right. Well, who are you, boys? Oh, of course. Are you his companion? His companions, they get younger all the time. Well, if you could point me in the general direction of the doctor. Really? Yeah. Really. You're me? Both of you? Yup. In that one? Yes. You're my future self? Yes. Am I having a midlife crisis? Why are you pointing your screwdrivers like that? They're scientific instruments, not water pistols. Not like you've seen a ghost. Phil, loving the posh gravelly things. Wait a minute. <laughs> Brave words, Dick Van Dyke. Oh, encircle them. Which of you is the doctor? The Queen of England is bewitched. I would have the doctor's head. Well, this has all the makings of your lucky day. There's a precedent for that. What is that? Oh, the pointing again. There's screwdrivers. What are you going to do? Assemble a cabinet at them? That thing. What witchcraft is it? Ah, yes. Now that you mention it, that is witchcraft. Yes, yes, yes. Witchy witchcraft. Hello. Hello in there. Excuse me. Hello. Am I talking to the wicked witch of the well? He means you. Why am I the witch? Sarah. Hello? Clara, hi. Hello. Hello. Would you mind telling these prattling mortals to get themselves begone? What he said. Just a tiny bit more colour. Right. 
rattling mortals off you pop, or I'll turn you all into frogs. Ooh, frogs. Nice, you heard her. <laughs> Doctor, what's going on? It's, uh, it's a timey-wimey thing. Timey what? Timey-wimey? I've, I've no idea where he picks that stuff up. And there's some fun stuff in there, but I mean, uh, like Ken said, it was getting a little bit um, uh, Monty Python there. Of course, uh, the reference to the uh, the um, the water pistol uh, takes you right back to fires of Pompeii, doesn't it? I mean, there's all sorts of things in there. Uh, but I did like the having those three doctors on screen. Those were the funny moments that I did like, rather than the the moments with the the Queen. Oh, and by the way, one of the things about having uh, the Queen in this, of course, is it wraps up one of the um, loose threads that was left when David Tennant left, because we all remember that scene where you know uh, Queen Elizabeth comes charging after him, uh, and we feel as though there was some unfinished business there. Uh, so it, it neatly wrapped up one of these loose ends that were always going about. That uh, will uh, will he ever actually uh, deal with any of those for us? So, yeah, that's uh, when he was talking to the Ood about all his adventures he was going on in End of Time, yeah. Hi, and, hi, and welcome, Robert. Uh, nice to hear for you to join us on audio. That's great. Uh, we're, I'm just in the middle of uh, what I was going to say, but, uh, yeah, the, the, there was an awful lot about this. Um, I mean, really, you've then got, uh, and I'm going to jump to them because I want other people to go, but then we, we got the really great uh, scene that um, they have uh, when they're locked up. Uh, and the, the, the thing that was mentioned by Ken uh, about you know the loss of the children and uh, how the different ones were dealing with it, how, in fact, they were going to um, uh, break out of, uh, of the cell um, by you know, the, the same Sonic, uh, or at least the same software in the Sonic uh, being used for that. Uh, but there were an awful lot of scenes and there were lots of people brought in. But then I'm going to go quickly all the way through to 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 the end because there were some magnificent scenes at the end when we got, uh, first of all, the three doctors saying that they were going to equidistantly uh, go around the, um, the planet of Gallifrey. Now, I thought with that that the assumption would be that when they moved uh, the planet into this moment of time, the whole uh, surviving... Dalek fleet would also be locked in this moment, hence the, the time war forever locked. I don't know whether they actually clarified that or not. And then, of course, successively, the screens lit up, uh, and we they got to see all the other doctors. They, they did, Cobo. Oh, thank you very much for that. Yeah, so, but then we well, have... Oh, excuse me. Yeah, Ken? What, what, they, what they said was that when Gallifrey is removed into this kind of special frozen place that all that will be left will be the Dalek fleet shooting at each other. That's right, yeah. They'll destroy each mixed, other. And the universe will think that Gallifrey was destroyed. But in actuality, it'll be the, the Dalek fleet. Right. Yeah, so I suppose either one of those, were, whether both lots were locked in or whether, uh, you know, Gallifrey's time locked and the Daleks uh, set, uh, destroyed one another because of that uh, way of dealing with it. I mean, it, it not, was, uh, Gallifrey is not time locked, but it's in a Gallifrey and aren't peace. Right. Yeah. The, 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 the thing I was sort of thinking about was whether whether there actually were any Daleks that were time locked. 
are they just were destroyed by by friendly fire as it were because of the the movement of the planet but i mean it, it was marvelous there were some lovely moments and um and of course as a reference by ken we had this um uh question mark over i forgot what they actually said is is oh he's classed as the curator wasn't he uh, the Tom Baker character, uh, and there was a, a lovely sort of touch of the nose. Uh, really, that was basically saying this is an in joke or a, a homage to the fans, and really don't look too closely whether that is the Doctor, because because we all know what how Tom Baker looked when he became uh, the uh, the fifth Doctor, having fallen, you know, from the the telescope. So, you know, we all know that. Um, so. All in all, I mean, remember, this was, what, 76-minute episode. Uh, there's no way I think uh, any of us, unless you uh, want to attempt it, can can give a ho- an overall view of this. But I must admit that my only slight reservation with the thing was the fact that poor David got got to to be the, the light-hearted episode. Now, I don't know whether a lot of the David Tennant fans will be just pleased to see David Tennant back. I will feel as though... His part was uh, was playing a little bit of a buffoon, at, well not buffoon, but um, the the light belief, shall we say, at certain times. But all in all, I think it was almost an impossible task to bring uh, such a story for the 50th and do it justice. I think uh, 95% it actually did that. Uh, I'm still unsure whether this is going to be one of those episodes that I watch more and like more. Uh, but I'm going to watch more uh, and find inconsistencies. But the, uh, my balance of thought at the moment is that um, uh, I'm going to find more and more in this and actually uh, enjoy the cleverness of the, the conversation and the, the interchange between the different people. Marvellous having John Hurt there. I like the fact that um, that uh, we do see him regenerate. It seems a pity we didn't see some inkling. I think Ken again said he, he thought he saw some inkling of the ninth doctor's uh face coming through but i think they cut before there was any of that uh done i think just i think just i i think just the eyes i saw it yeah if you freeze freeze frame that last frame you can clearly see eccleston's eyes oh well they they obviously took the shot of eccleston's regeneration into david tennant i think and used that faded into that a little bit before they cut out Oh, yeah, they great. did. I thought that was pretty you. good. Yeah. Right. Thank you, guys. That's great. Um, okay, well, um, we were going to go to Mike uh, after me, but um, he's not on audio. So um, um, we heard, Jeff, do you do you feel okay to go now? Um, yeah, I'll make uh, some comments on this. First off, I was blown away by this. Um, in seeing it, for the first time, I, I did not see it live yesterday uh, as it was simulcast, but I did see it later in the day. Um, I, I was blown away by it, and I had a kind of a traumatic day as it was, so I, it took me another viewing to really get a solid feeling for the episode. But uh, the first thing I think you notice is that this takes place several years after the previous episode that we saw uh, last spring, um, Clara is now a school teacher, and it takes time to become a school teacher. Uh, I don't think she was 
certify to be a school teacher in the. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me stop you. Why are you saying several years? Just because Claire just because you didn't, been, you didn't know that she was a school teacher, so therefore you assume several years. I mean, well, there's nothing. Well, you've, you've you can also, do it. You can do it in one year if you do it in training. And there's nothing that tells us yet that she wasn't a school teacher. Okay, right? well, there's there's another piece of information there, okay. and that that's oh, yeah. with with Kate Stewart. Um, she doesn't meet the doctor until 2015 or 16, depending on how you date it, in the Power of Three. And I do believe the the that's name of the speculative. No, uh, I, I I think that's true because of some uh, dialogue from Rory on his age. But yeah, that's that's timey wimey. I don't know about that. Anyway, well, go certainly ahead. a definite amount. Of time. I mean, we're because one of the things we were a few of us talked about was how how Clara was going to be because she, she was basically carried unconscious out out of the doctor's time stream, wasn't she? in the last episode. So yeah, well, um, she could have also been a teacher assistant too. I remember when I was in school, we had teacher assistants that would help the teacher out. If the teacher was sick that day, she could have been a substitute teacher as well there too. Yeah. yeah but you we, can't, we you never can't train got any indication of that. Yeah. We never no. got any indication of that until this story. So I, I think this is some time after the, the name of the doctor. And really, I don't think that story was resolved. So I was kind of hoping that it would be resolved here, and we didn't see it resolved. I don't know if this is going to be uh, uh, dealt with in some other media or maybe some timey-wimey thing that we see the the resolution of that later on on TV. Um, I don't know. Um, but either way you look at it, there there is some time that happens between the last episode and this story. Um, I just want to uh, state something that uh, Bruce told me. Um, he, he messaged me uh, shortly after he left. He, he sends his apologies that he had to leave. Um, but uh, he says that uh, he loved the end credits for this story and mm. that he just uh, hopes that those end credits stay in the future, in the future stories that we have. And they were very lovely, i got to say. I agree with Bruce on that. Do you think he means including the faces or just the, 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 the diagrammatic way of doing it? He didn't indicate either way, but um, uh, probably just the style that, yeah. that it was done in is my guess. Uh, he would have to say his interpretation of that. I don't know. Um, also, he me mentioned to me that he noticed something on the board out in front of the school right at the beginning of the story the uh, the governor of the school is I Chester Chesterton. Oh! <laughs> if anybody noticed that, I did not notice that, but Bruce did pick up on that. Plus, also uh, W. Coburn is listed on there too. Yes, uh, he also mentioned that. So I don't know if that's a, a reference to Anthony Coburn, but um, I don't know where the W comes in. But there you go. Um, I really, What's the I really, significance of Coburn? Coburn was the first producer of of the series way back in '63. How's that spelled? With a U or an E? A U. 
the reason why I ask is because that's my real name, which is kind of cool. Well, there you go. Um, I'm just going to make some general comments on the story. I'm not going to get too deep into the plot or anything. Um, I I, I got to say I was really surprised um, with the War Doctor's character. I, I thought uh, it was going to be played differently than it actually was by John Hurt. Um, I was expecting somebody that was just out for war, and he had a lot of uh, depth and uh, uh, compassion and character to him. I, I just wasn't expecting that. Uh, just completely different than what I thought. It was it was a pleasant surprise. I, I, I enjoyed his character a lot, and he was really regretting the decision that he was having to make. Uh, I, I just didn't expect that, especially from the night of the Doctor, where we saw you know, uh, the, the potion being taken and uh, we, we were going to get a certain kind of personality out of the character. So uh, to see him being this compassionate and uh, so thought-provoking on the decision that he was having to make, I mean, uh, he didn't make this decision completely until, you know, uh, toward the end of the story, until his... Uh, he, his uh, he, his mind was changed, I guess, by the other two doctors. So that that was pleasant to see. I have a theory on that. Is you can take a potion to give yourself certain traits, but you can't fundamentally change the makeup of the man. Well, you, you're probably well, right think, on that, Kobo. That, that's debatable with uh, with re- uh, things. But the thing is, we, we don't see him as a young man, do we? Where the reflection, I think you were saying before on the um, the night of the Doctor, he was a young man when after taking the potion. But he did say early on in the story, didn't it? You know, after years of struggling, no more. So if he, we assume that, you know, years have gone on with him fighting this time war. That that may be true, but then you look at the eleventh doctor, or should we call him the twelfth doctor? Now I don't know. I'm still confused on the numbering scheme, but um, he's lived for four hundred years, and he hasn't looked like he's aged very much. So I don't. We know just say eight hundred years. Did he say eight hundred? Yes, uh, they, John Hurt said he was eight hundred years old. You're four hundred years older than me. He says when Matt Smith says twelve. Well, I think he means his combined... Cumulative, yeah. I I meant just his his version of the Doctor. Um, Right. Even if it was 800 years, well, I I suppose he may age that much. Uh, Then you look at the first Doctor, though, and see how old he looked when we first see him, or when he regenerates. Um, And it was, what, probably about... 350, 400 years old. I'm not sure exactly, but uh, anyway. Um, I well, was, wasn't I it was, said 200 years old in the Impossible Astronaut um, where they meet up in a cafe? No, no, it's 1200, uh, 1100, 1100. He went from 900 to 1100. Yeah, and, and, and then it, I think in, in the early seventh season he said he was 1200, so he's, he's aged you know, a good 300 years or so. Anyway, um, 
I really did like how uh, they brought the Rose character in. Uh, she wasn't really Rose. She was the 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 moment, and the, or the personality of the moment. And the uh, conscience of the moment. The conscience of the moment. Thank you, Kobo. Um, it, it wasn't really Rose, uh, but I was a little confused by the Bad Wolf reference um i guess it was the bad wolf rose aspect that the 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 conscience of the moment was taking on but i'm glad it wasn't rose rose yeah proper rose Um, so you don't believe she was split off from parting of the ways um when she got the tardis the essence of the tardis dinner that um maybe have been split off from that since she had bad wolf put over the place that's probably where this consciousness came from but that wasn't proper rose either so again I, i'm just very glad it wasn't proper rose uh then you would have gone into all this uh rose 10 business if mm. you know uh, if 10 could see her and uh I, I i'm glad that did not take place i think that would have been a drag on the story mm. um i was a little disappointed with the lack of a resolution with the unit uh, versus the, the Zygon conflict uh, or the negotiations, if you will. I want to know what happened there. What what was the resolution? Uh, that's a minor point, though. Um, th- that wasn't really the the main focus of the story, which I, I thought was brilliant. Uh, the, the, the way it was just crafted the way it was played out and acted, um, directed, it, it, it was just gorgeous. Um, just a lovely plot and just a way to redeem this um, war doctor. Uh, I, I loved it. It was great. And um, now Gallifrey may be out there where it could be restored, which brings up some interesting uh, things if if it can. And this is all speculation. I don't haven't heard anything along these lines or anything, but you know, if if Gallifrey is found and it's restored, then will you have the 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 council back, the Time Lord Council, the, out to um, ascend, if you will? Uh, are they are they still mad? Uh, do you will you still then have the Master coming back because he's obviously now on Gallifrey after the events of the End of Time. Uh, so, so you can have all these interesting things being played out as far as control of the planet and um, also w- with the Master coming back. And I Jeff? think that's lovely. Yes. Uh, what I would say to that is that it, towards the end, when the, when the Doctors are assembling at the end, and uh, and we've got this new direction, as Ken was saying, because he's, uh, he's got this weight taken off him, but uh, the Doctor does say, I know where I'm going now, home the long way around. In other words, yeah, the the chances are that um, Gallifrey will come back, but it, it's not like, I don't think it's likely to happen in the next, so it might be in a, a whole new, it might be a series away. I mean, he oh, might, sure. Sure. you know what I mean? And, uh, so and, I, I don't think I it's going it to come straight to, yeah. So hold the long way around, I think that's that's the way they're going to play it, that that's there and can be brought back, maybe not by Moffat, maybe by, Another series leader, Lay Trump. They left the door open. 
Yeah, a- that's the point. A- absolutely. I'm not saying it's going to happen or when it's going to happen. If it does, uh, it's just a lovely thought and brings about many plot lines. Uh, that, that and I don't think out. it will be Moffat because he's publicly stated that he doesn't, he doesn't like the Master or the Time Lords. So I don't think we'll see Moffat monkeying about with Kevin Bray. No, I think you're probably right. I don't know. It it could happen. It depends on how long Moffat stays with the show. I think he might leave that up to another showrunner to do it. He may may just see the next Doctor whenever that next Doctor takes over. He may just see him for his first series and then bow out himself, I would have thought. Yeah, I wanted to bring up, it reminded me of... um, and, you know, Ian's favorite Sixth Doctor um, situation from Trial of Time Lord where um, Earth called Ravalox was moved. Remember that? Mm-hmm. But it's, I was kind of thinking of that when we seen the uh, Galfrey being moved out of its space as well. well. Well, all this is really doing is telling us something that we knew already, that, mm-hmm. that Galfrey was locked. Uh, you know, are gone, I suppose. So, in a way, it was still, again, the the thing about Moffat possibly leaving soon is that he has tied up quite a few of his loose ends. Um, not some of the ones from the previous series about the TARDIS, but some loose ends. But anyway, uh, so, so, have you got an overall thought about the thing? I, I know you started off by saying you thought it was excellent. Yeah, I, I did think it was excellent. It was a beautifully crafted story. Um, I, I love the interaction between 11 and 10, or is it now 12 and 11? I'm not sure again. <laughs> I think we need no. some resolution there. No, I think we're staying on the same numbers, I think. Well, okay, but does that mess up the resolutions? Are we at uh, the maximum number according to the classic series? I it may change know. regeneration numbers, but I don't think it's going to change the doctor numbers. Okay. I guess what. We'll Otherwise, we'll we're that. all everything's going to be confused on all of the DVDs and everything. They can't do that. <laughs> you know, he's the war doctor. He doesn't have a number. I, I take your meaning, Ken. Yeah. Uh, it was lovely to and see. All he certainly Go. doesn't consider himself the doctor at all. No, I think he did um, before he forgot everything. At the end, yes, but for the majority of his life, and after the time streams we can, we can merge, he certainly doesn't consider himself the doctor. But um, his, a- his action was, of course, commuted, wasn't it, by the, 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 the change in resolution? But the 11th Doctor and forward should consider him a proper incarnation of himself. Because uh, the 11th Doctor remembers. Can I ask a question? Absolutely. Why didn't we just bring in Paul McGann instead of bringing in John Hurt and just stay with the Paul McGann Doctor being part of the Time War and gone from there? Why did we have to go the roundabout way and bring John Hurt in? To well, the whole thing. He, here's what I this is my own personal opinion. Uh, I think 
the war doctor was originally before the the, the story was crafted or or written was supposed to be actually the ninth doctor Eccleston but Eccleston didn't want to be in it so they had to come up with something else now why they didn't use the eighth doctor uh, maybe because of the way he was written in the TV film and how most people would remember him. They didn't want to uh, make that doctor that way at the end of his life. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Tom Baker Scarf puts a point in there. Uh, Capaldi announced himself as the 13th, but I think he just announced himself as the 13th member of the team in the sense of there were 13 TARDIS, weren't they? 13... He still could be classed as the 12th Doctor, but the 13th person in that manoeuvre. But it's certainly a point, uh, certainly a, um, a way of thinking about it. Well, I, he didn't announce himself. It was the um, the second in command or whatever on in Gallifrey that uh, that announced. There's no. They said 12, and then didn't Capaldi, uh, didn't Capaldi speak? Oh no, there's 13 of you. Did he say? No. No, no, I thought the I, in the control room. Yeah, I thought it was like the lieutenant or whatever thanks, in the thanks, control Ian. room. He said he said mm-hmm. all twelve of them. And then he said no, all thirteen. Well, no, sir, right. thirteen. Right. So he didn't announce himself. Tom Baker, Scar, old Scar. Right. Thank you. Good um, to clear these why things he up. Wasn't credited in it as long well, because they only have to credit you if you have a spoken part, as far as I'm aware. Um, my my personal take on the whole. Um, um, the reason why we have the, the War Doctor is uh, Clara's line when uh, Matt is, when her, her Doctor is about to push the button. She goes, I don't want to see you do that. And I think that's the reason why they created the War Doctor so none of us had to see our Doctor do that. Whether we felt that way or not, I think it was a way of kind of there's this whole other Doctor created to do the bad thing, the thing that the Doctor would never do, um, in a way of you know us looking at it going, well, yeah, he did it. <laughs> but in the end, he didn't, so yeah, yeah who knows? Yeah. It's, it's a valid point to raise, though, Robert, certainly. Well, because we always wanted Paul McGann to have more of a screen presence, and unfortunately, he's reduced to the seven-minute what they did with Peter Davison's situation, I would have felt much better if he would have been part of the the whole thing to begin with. And that's why I questioned the, the whole John Hurt adding into this whole situation for. That's why I brought it up for. Yeah. Okay, do you want to try to add uh, any more, Jeff, for a panel, and then we'll, we'll have a go? Well, in summation, I'll just give it a well, probably a four and a half out of five TARDIS groans. Oh yeah, we never asked for ratings. Perhaps I have to do that at the end and ask people to give ratings. Um, I, I, I'd like I, I'll play. A clip. I'd like to go to Perry next, and, and maybe Darth after that, just to 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 give those people warning. Uh, and um, here's another clip. What is that? Time travel. The vortex manipulated bequeathed to the UNIS archive by Captain Jack Harkness on the occasion of his death. Well, one of them. No one can know we have this, not even our allies. Why not? Think about it. Americans with the ability to rewrite history. You've seen that, 
Okay, so this is how we're going to rescue the doctor. I'm sure there's enough power for a two-way trip. In any event, we don't have the activation code. The doctor knows we have this, so he's always kept the code from us. Let's hope he changes his mind. Yes. Well, if you found it, photograph it and send it to my phone. Um, hey. Should they be here? Why have they followed us? Oh, they probably just finished disposing of the humans a bit early. <laughs> Dear me. I really do get into character, don't I? gallery is secured. Prepare to dispose of one more human. We have acquired the device. So at least we got into uh, we hear them speaking there. And of course it was the doctor carving those numbers, I believe, in the in the cell that gave them that information. So Perry, are you good to go now? I think so, yeah. Um yeah. Okay, well yeah, I don't have a uh Hell of a lot to say um, on top of what everybody else has already said. I you liked it, everybody. I, um, I really did. <laughs> What's that? I liked it. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> I, I forgot that Ian doesn't have cable. <laughs> okay. He goes on. He goes on to Facebook and says, "Well, I guess we can uh, get Darth knows now." And I'm like, "Oh, I guess you're watching it." Yeah. Aren't you? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I'm sorry, Ian. I'll have to send you some NASA swag or something. Yeah, yeah. Make yeah. up for it. Harry <laughs> Potter. At least I didn't do that. Okay. Oh. At least I didn't go. Hey, how about Tom Baker? Huh? True. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. So I'm sorry about that. I was a little excited. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'm just having a lot of fun making fun of you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay, so I've given you a gift, actually. Yes, you have. In the end, yes. A gift at the end. Oh, well. <laughs> anyway, family show. What? Hello? No. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, boy. Wrong, wrong show. Wrong show. Back on Zygons, please. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I have to um, I say that I agree pretty much with everything that Ken has said, and I I really enjoyed it. There was a lot of um, a lot of fun, and a lot of emotion, and a lot of um, homage, you know, to the fans and to the show um, in it. And I did enjoy it a lot. Um, but what sticks in my mind are some of the things that I try to figure out after I've watched it. You know, some of the things that I try to make it make sense, and um, I suppose that's a something you sh really shouldn't try to do too much when um, you're watching Doctor Who. But um, BBC America right afterwards showed uh, the end of time, uh, which chronologically in the Tenth Doctor's timeline that's where it fit, right, right before the events mm -hmm. of the end of time. So it sort of fit. But then you're watching that, and when he's talking to um, the master about why you can't release Gallifrey, you know, because of all, all the never and and all these other things being released along with 
um, Gallifrey, and then I start to wonder, well, yeah, what happened to all those? I mean, yeah, Gallifrey got got somehow locked uh, away in time, and the Daleks destroyed themselves. Well, what about the rest of the Time War? I mean, it wasn't just Gallifrey, I would imagine. Imagine there was a lot more to it. The, I mean, the moment was supposedly, you know, could destroy a whole galaxy is what the way they described it. And, I mean, to be honest, the whole thing about the Time War has always confused me about, you know, how to interpret the Time War. I always imagined it as being um, not quite literally, you know, people on the ground fighting with guns the way that it looked um, in, in this episode. Um, but I imagine it to be a lot more complicated. And um, we did and when Well, the way that they always just sort of described it, and they described what would happen to Gallifrey, I always imagined that Gallifrey and the Daleks were all sort of, they weren't destroyed, like literally killed, but were basically erased from erased from time, erased yeah, from the universe. That's the way I always kind of imagined it. And, um, and so that's why, you know, you had those in the, ones in the void ship and things like that trying to get back into the universe and the way Gallifrey sort of came back in the, in the end of time. So, I mean, this, in a way, this sort of rectifies it and makes it a little... I, I, I mean, it's almost like retcon for the Time War, I think, what this did for me. Um, but the way that they showed it, you know, um, with the warrior, the war doctor, I mean, and... Um, you know, fighting boots on the ground sort of thing on Gallifrey. I didn't really, that didn't really, you know, sort of jive with what I thought the Time War was or what it would be like or how I pictured it. Um, even though I would expect battles and death and destruction and things like that, I didn't think it was just sort of the Daleks and the Time Lords fighting on Gallifrey. I thought there was a lot more to it uh, than that. That was so, the last um, day of the battle, I remember. I mean, that was why we had the clip. That was yeah. That was the final That's true. Coup, de, coup de grace, wasn't it? Yeah, but in the events of the... Um, I see, I don't, I, but I still don't see quite how the events of the end of time fit in now, whether those things actually happened or not, you know, whether it was because they sort of changed... Um, they changed the hit. They changed the history of the time war. So, so did that really happen? Did that happen before the events of of this special? You know, the fiftieth, the day of the doctor, did, and, and things like that. So, so I I don't quite understand that yet. I imagine there. I imagine I'll figure something out in my own head, or it'll be explained sooner or later. Um, but I did like the fact that you know the. They sort of filled in the gap about what happened to the Tenth Doctor before, you know, the events of the end of time, you know, the events with um, Queen Elizabeth mm. and things like that. And some of that was explained because I never quite understood why he married her or, or, you know, how that played out. And I liked what they did in this episode about how he wasn't really trying to marry her. You know, he was trying to... Um, was trying to get her to reveal herself, you know, as a, as a Zygon. Harry? Yeah, I, I think um, there's a line early in this episode about the High Council of, of the Time Lords having their own plan that they are mm-hmm. executing. It's probably at the same time as this episode is taking place. So I, I yeah. think you've got two parallel lines or plots, plot lines going on there at the same time. 
Yeah, that could be because we know that Rassilon had this plan, you know, to be, um, what was it, to transcend, you know, physical reality somehow and things like that. So, and but also they talked, Rassilon talked about it being sort of the last day then too, didn't he? Didn't he say something about that, about how it was like the, the outermost of, part of the time war, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I always imagine the time war, I guess, to be some kind of bubble in time where all this stuff sort of happened. But, um, but I, I mean, I didn't think about it in like a linear sort of way in time, you know, the way that it would happen, the way that it would play out. It was the out. out of time, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 something like that. So, um, So I don't know if that's they're doing this, you know, for the audience to understand it better or if it's just, just been inconsistently done in different people's minds and Barry, probably had a different idea of it than RTD. Barry, yes, Ken. Yeah. I had the same thoughts going on after and then I had to put it out, but maybe it just <laughs> changed it up in, in a way now. Uh, it also changes the perspective because we we saw how horrible the High Council was. Mm-hmm. But then the... The war counts, the generals here seemed very sane. Yeah. And at an aspect even compassionate. Yeah. So maybe with the removal of the Daleks and all of that, like you said, maybe the only thing we need to know now, now there's hope and they'll think of it some way of of rationalizing both together in the future. I I know there there's kind of, there's the conflict there between the two. Because when the Tenth Doctor's leaving at the end of this, the cloister bell is going off in the TARDIS. He's going toward the events oh, at yeah. the end of time. That's where he's about to yeah, uh, keep going. Yeah, back, yeah. You know, so yeah. it's about to happen. Yeah. So maybe it didn't change that at all, but when they say Gallifrey falls, Gallifrey will return to what they did here. It'll be in that mm-hmm. frozen painting aspect, kind of like frozen well, away, like, like Brigadoon. Uh, they, uh, they, sorry, Ken. The, the, actual, um, the actual curator says that the, the, the picture hasn't got two, uh, two titles. It's one title, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Gallifrey Falls no more. Yeah. So right, it's, right. it's changed up, so... But where does yeah. that put the um, situation where um, they bring back, well, we kind of think it's Rassilon that comes back. Where do you fit that in the planet Galfrey itself trying to go into Earth's orbit? Where does that fit in that situation? Well, that was just it trying to break out of the bubble, wasn't it? Without, yeah. as, as being said in the text about the uh, the white point star, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. All these eyes has mentioned that. It's it's, uh, it's reverted back to wherever it was, thrown back into the time war, thrown back to that last day. Mm-hmm. They were removing themselves out of being time locked. Yeah, in, that's into, basically the only difference now, isn't it? The, the the difference is that the the time lords are uh, still in a separate universe, but the, their way back yeah. is not now completely sealed off. Yeah, well, I mean, I can live with what happened, and I can live with, you know, putting it together. But what the, I guess the thing that sort of um, sticks in my head is that it seems like Moffat's um, interpretation of what originally happened in the Time War was that it, Gallifrey was literally blown up. 
you know, the moment was a bomb, essentially. And that's what it sounded like when he described it. And in my mind, I thought the moment, you know, because they talked about in the end of time, they said the doctor still possesses the moment. I always imagined this moment or whatever it was, was some way of, of locking Gallifrey and the events of the Time War out of the universe, you know, sort of thing, not just a bomb. And so that's that's only, only it's just a little bit of... Well, they don't it a bomb, they call it a weapon, don't they? I mean, I think... Well, he, said right. it would de- he said it would destroy a galaxy, though, I mean... And it was never actually used. Yeah, maybe. Um, the 11th Doctor actually retracts the button because he says, I've had 400 years to figure this out. Well, I know. I, I'm, I'm talking about the original events of the Time War, not what happened yeah. in the day of the Doctor. But um, So anyway, it's just a little bit of, of something in my head that feels inconsistent. Um, but... Like I said, I really, really enjoyed this. There were parts where I was, you know, cheering and, and laughing, and and um, and I look forward to seeing it in 3D tomorrow. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. And yeah. I'm really well, excited cl- about what will happen in the future now. Yeah. I wonder how that Cultum T-shirt look in 3D, Ian. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> oh, maybe okay. We won't. <laughs> 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 okay. So, um. Have uh, 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 you said all you want to, Perry? And we'll move yeah, on. Yeah, that's what that's that's mainly what I wanted to say. Yep. Brilliant. Thank you. I'll play a clip, and then we'll yep. go to Darth. Did you ever count? Count what? How many children there were on Gallifrey that day? I've absolutely no idea. How old are you now? Uh, I don't know. I lose track. 1,200 and something, I think, unless I'm lying. I can't remember if I'm lying about my age. That's how old I am. 400 years older than me, and in all that time, you never even wondered how many there were. You never once counted. Tell me, what would be the point? 2.47 billion. You did count. You forgot. 400 years, is that all it takes? I moved on. Where? Where can you be now that you can forget something like that? Spoilers. No. No, no, no. For once, I would like to know where I'm going. No, you really wouldn't. I don't know who you are. Either of you. I haven't got the faintest idea. Hey, you. Know what you become if you destroy Gallifrey. The man who regrets. And the man who forgets. The moment is coming. The moment is me. You have to decide. There we are. And uh, that was Tom Baker's old Scar's favourite clip, apparently. Glad you enjoyed that. Darth, sorry you've had a long wait, but uh, if you kind of go now, that'd be great. You know, I, I kind of think that coming into the this last week, that the thing I, I thought was going to happen was that... Uh, like rather a lot of other people who have been around Doctor Who for a long time, that I would have really enjoyed adventure in time and space and that I was going to be disappointed by the actual fictional episode surrounding the 50th anniversary. In fact, the precise opposite happened. I found adventure in space and time to be almost completely disappointing. Uh, whereas 
this was out of the park awesome. Uh, I am still trying to come to grips with exactly how Moffat did it. This is Moffat at his best. And it's a little weird that this same author can also give us Beast Below, can also give us Series 5, which goes kind of nowhere. Uh, this was a deft handling of a very dicey situation. I think those who may have listened last week to this very podcast will have heard me be, um, well, dubious of Moffat's ability to pull a rabbit out of the hat, given where he left us at the end of The Night of the Doctor. This, however, not only redeemed Night of the Doctor's apparent um, road to nowhere, but actually surpassed any expectation that I could have possibly had about any author being able to give us a, a truly satisfying 50th anniversary. And I think it did it because it's got a very clever structure. Because you've got... Because if you look back to the three doctors and the five doctors, and, and uh, well, I guess we can call the two doctors much of anything. But anyway, if you look back to the three doctors and the five doctors, the, the main issue with those is that they spend so much time trying to set up the possibility of the doctors intersecting that the actual plot is not much of anything. But what's great here is that you have one plot that is an Earth invasion plot at the core of a larger plot about the Doctor. So in, the Doctor, in fact, saves both the Earth and Gallifrey in the same episode, which is pretty crazy and ambitious by even Doctor Who standards. In other words, he's done something here that I think is sort of better. Well, it's kind of like, I was going to say it was sort of better than anything RTD did, but it is actually kind of Stolen Earthy in a way, because Stolen Earth 2 is about you know saving the Earth at the same time you're saving... Seven uh, planets. The, the, yeah, and the universe itself, really. Um, but this is in a way better because it, it, it's... Messing with the time war and then unmessing with it. Um, it. The very neat trick of doing something that Five Doctors explicitly fails to do, and that is you know, telling us right up front, nobody's going to remember this. The only person to remember it is the most current incarnation of the Doctor. And everybody thinks that happened in the Five Doctors. Everybody thinks that happened in the Three Doctors, but it never actually happened. You are, you're not left with any piece of dialogue whatsoever to, that leads you to believe that the second doctor doesn't have a very clear memory of what happened when he interacted with a fifth doctor. Whereas here you do get that. And because you get that, it allows the ninth doctor's guilt and his entire season to remain as it is, you know, and I, that was certainly the thing that I was worried about coming into it was that Series one was just going to be completely rewritten, um, and you know we're, we were going to have to be looking at that all over again. And there was no way that it was going to be as good as RTD's original. But in fact, Moffat has managed to change what RTD wrote and then unchange it at the same time, which is pretty freaking amazing, really, in terms of writing uh, challenges 
you don't get more depth than that, I don't think. Uh, there's really nothing that I have a problem with in this entire thing. There are lots of little things that, you know, just to bring some more of the expanded Doctor Who universe in, you know, we can well imagine that these, as as the um, moment calls them, that these windows are actually what might have been Tomorrow Windows in the book, The Tomorrow Windows by Johnny Morris, which is a great Eighth Doctor uh, Hitchhiker's Guide kind of crossover kind of thing. Well, it's not really a crossover, but it feels like it was written by Douglas Adams in a way. Uh, they had the same concept of windows that you could open up into your own future. And as soon as they used the word window, I was like, oh, that's a great little sub-reference that you're going to slide in there. Um, one of my favorite things that they did was to physically show us children, lots and lots of children, and to actually specify 2.87 billion children. And the reason that's great is because one of the worst ideas that came out of the wilderness years, I think, was this notion that time lords don't have regular sex. Time lords don't conceive in the same way that every other species in the universe does. Uh, they are loomed, and they come out of the loom already an adult. Really crazy idea that a lot of uh, people who are around in the wilderness years kind of latched onto and said, well, that's kind of a cool idea. Really not a cool idea, dumb idea, because it gets you, uh, you know, away from the notion that, yes, the Doctor is a romantic figure in every sense of that word uh, and, and does have completely normal sexual impulses. Uh, so I just loved seeing all the children and for children to have been the impetus for trying to change history. Um, also love the fact that, you know, this is, you know, one of my least favorite Hartnell episodes is Aztecs. One of my least favorite things the Doctor has ever said is, you can't change history, not one line. Uh, and for this, for one of the central point, for the central point of the episode to be about changing his own personal history and finding a way to do it that doesn't change his history, uh, I, I just, I ate that up with a spoon. I just thought that is exactly what you need to say, yes, there are limits, but I'm going to go around those limits because that, that gives us the very spirit of the doctor, which is a renegade, a rebel, somebody who's not doing the rules. Uh, I, I, there's, the, there's really nothing about this. Oh, there are some little niggles, I guess we could say, and I, I'll point them out just because whatever. This is the thing I do. Um, in the scene where there is... Um, I guess we'll call it the Gallifrey stand scene, the scene where all of the, the Tardi or, or Tardises are coming together and, and you see the various incarnations of the Doctor. One thing that's great is that they very clearly got Colin Baker, and, and maybe I if I'm taking this away from me, Ian, I apologize, but they very clearly got Colin Baker to come in and do a voiceover, which I thought was nice, to have original dialogue by Colin Baker and then to get, you know, because that he is you know, essentially by a lot of people's reckoning, the preeminent audio doctor. So he got a special little bit of audio and Tom Baker got to be actually physically present in it, which the Baker symmetry was very nice, I thought. Um, but there's a, a little thing there with the seventh doctor. And I don't know, Jeff, if you picked this up, but there, in one moment in that scene on the view screens or whatever, you see him from season 24. And in another moment, you see him from the TV movie. And it's like, what? At the same moment, he's in both TARDISes? 
Uh, I didn't really particularly follow that. Did you see that, Jeff? Because I, I thought that was interesting. I noticed I, the I, show the the older persona of him, but I didn't make that connection that you were doing. Yeah, I did notice that, Darth, and I was going to make a joke about that, but since we didn't have introductions today, I didn't oh. do the joke. <laughs> but weird, Ian. Though, what have you done, Ian? Still my fault. Yeah, that was Stepping kind of odd. It was weird because it was the only it was the only incarnation where you saw two different phases. But then again, we, we do have to be very clear. There's not much Seventh Doctor material inside of the TARDIS, especially not much. There's really only one scene of him flying the TARDIS, and I think that's from uh, uh, Delta and the Bannerman, right, where he has to you know put his foot up on the right. side of it. So I guess Wait. you don't have much choice, really. And and actually, that was from season twenty-five, greatest show in the galaxy. Oh, really? Okay, so you could have done. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, then I don't know, uh, but it was weird that they took from two different, clearly two different eras. Um, but you know, that's a two different outfits. Minor. Two different outfits is really, well, it, but I mean, he's obviously older too. You know, I mean, it's it's really yeah. not, and and two different TARDIS interiors, really. You know, so that's exactly. Uh, but the, the the only thing I have a problem with uh, is, you know, because I didn't know who the twelfth Doctor was. Um, I I I was actually mostly expecting to find that out in this episode because I really thought, honestly, the way I thought it was going to go down was that the thing was going to start out with eleven regenerating into twelve, and then it would be mostly told in flashback. Uh, and that flashback would, would continue on into the Christmas special. So I don't have a problem with the fact that 12 shows up here. I simply have a problem with the casting. I mean, you guys are probably all over this because you did it back in August or whatever. But, you know, since this is new to me, I'm not a fan. Don't like this choice at all. Um, it is weird beyond measure. I think it's going to be bad for the series. Um, I really am very disappointed it's not a woman. I am, I'm, as a Peter Capaldi fan, I am bereft at the notion that there is no way I'm getting any more thick of it while he's the doctor. Because you couldn't possibly have him doing two such diametrically opposed things on TV at the same time. I just don't see it. Uh, maybe that's fine. Maybe there was not going to be any more thick of it. But especially after the brilliant season, uh, well, season order is weird in Thick of It, but the most recent season of Thick of It, where he was just off the park excellent. Uh, I am very sad that this. it just looks like we're not going to get that anymore. Um, I, 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 I think it's a very safe choice. I, it just it fundamentally kind of distresses me that they've gone – Back to an older doctor. I think that's wrong for the series. Uh, it's not what we want to be doing. Uh, he, he's going to be fine. Don't get me wrong. There's a difference between saying this is a bad actor and, and shouldn't be. Ch-. There's no doubt in my mind that he can do the role. There's no doubt in my mind that, that there are going to be moments that we're going to love with this doctor. Clearly, if you look at the, the volume of speeches he has to do on Thick of It, you know that he can be the doctor. I mean, there's just no doubt that functionally he's going to be able to do it. There are exciting possibilities with him. The fact that he is an Academy Award-winning uh, director and writer, 
means that he might be able to actually direct or write an episode of Doctor Who, which is not the usual case for an actor. Um, but I, I have to say, I am I am not as enamored of the about the future of the show as I I thought, and it, and it is depressing in a way. I think I was joking last week. You know what would happen if we got to Christmas and then the person they unveiled was kind of not the person you wanted. That's where I am. Uh, and I, and I do kind of feel like that the whole exercise of trying not to see who it was, wasn't worth it. Uh, it was not a squee moment for me at all, except, you know, that I admire the, the, the technicality of it. I admire the, the skill of writing the, the, you know, but running the show. When hmm? you take, were you swearing when you saw who it was? No, I mean, it was too brief a moment. And, uh, you know, I was into the story quite a bit at that point. Uh, so I was quite anxious to see how it was resolved. Uh, it it was a thing where as soon as I saw it, I had to stop the playback and, and look again. Uh, uh, I think uh, but, when when uh, Stephen Moffat was go- said he was going for an older guy, I think he probably had Peter Capaldi in mind. Uh, and and then he came across Mark Smith, but of course uh, he, I think I don't think he'd been in thick of it because hasn't he just been playing? Um, uh, and again, it's, I don't know, this is a spoiler, but he, he was cast uh, Peter Capaldi in a film role, wasn't he? A remake of um, uh, Am I allowed to say things like this? Um, the Three Musketeers, uh, Can Rich? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's that too, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I mean, I and th- and that's a, yet another thing is, I mean, he is a very busy actor and he is in a lot of different things and I, I think it kind of puts him off the market for a while. Uh, I, I'm I, what I'm really hoping hoping happens is he does it for one year. He and Moffat mm-hmm. leave at the same time. We get you know a, a true bold, bold yeah. you know, and and so that way we got you know we got the older Doctor thing out of our system kind of so that we get back to what I think is actually necessary in this age, and, and that is changing it dramatically, like doing something that is really bold. This is not bold. This is almost old boy network. This is one Scottish guy casting another Scottish guy. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's not, again, I'd like to stress, it has nothing to do with, am I personally going to enjoy it? Yes, of course, because I love Peter Cavaldi. Um, but do I think it's great for the ongoing series i think it could be as long as it's limited i think if you're talking you know 2017 when this guy is still around i don't know man i that that seems a little bit dangerous i think we really need to get back to um as recent events have shown us uh you know is the radio times poll where david Tennant just blows everybody out of the water in terms of popularity i mean not just a little bit blows them away I, I think it's very, very clear that we need to get back to that kind of doctor um, or a completely different kind of doctor, which is my preference of, you know, a woman who's got a different agenda, who looks at the world in a different way. Uh, that, I think, is what we need to be doing. We, we don't need to be making relatively safe choices. But, you know, that is... So, Dora, you think we're going back to the Chris Brexton situation where we only have an actor for one year and then a, and Muffet decides he's going to leave and get That's the next exactly what Doc said. Yeah. 
No, no, that is not exactly what I said. That is what I said. No. I, that is what I, I hope. hope. <laughs> and, 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 and I don't compare this to the Christopher Eccleston thing at all. Uh, it, it is, you know, whatever an actor wants to do is what an actor wants to do. You can't ever really, you know, peg that and say, this is what, I want to impose my will upon an actor. That's not really what you would do. Uh, I, I'm just saying, it, I think it would be more beneficial to the series uh, since it has been already the almost four years. Well, actually, it's been production time has been more than four years since we've had a new production regime. It's time for Moffat to go. It's time for his ideas to go as well. And uh, although he's not going, I don't think he's got that much gas left in him because it's a very demanding thing. Uh, I, I think it's reasonable to assume that he has only one more year in him. And it would be good for the show, just as it was in 2010, to have a complete overhaul of everything. The cast, the crew, well, the, the above-the-line crew, the top crew. Um, and and just start all over again, and that's really what the show needs at this point, and and I, and I hope that it happens, and that this little Capaldi era is you know a nice coda uh, for Moffat, and maybe his last chance to kind of get the, the telling of a season right, because he kind of hasn't done that. I think most of us would agree there's been something a little insufficient about the way that his seasons have run. But anyway, that, well, I, I've spent way too much time on, on what was one second of the 50th anniversary. The rest of it, and here I want to, you know, completely sing Moffat's praises. The rest of it. Let me interrupt you for one second. Yeah. You take all the time you want because <laughs> so many people in here have kept mum for so long. <laughs> we were waiting to hear what <laughs> yeah, we were but waiting I, to hear what you had to say about it. So, don't, don't feel guilty. <laughs> and, and it's really very nice of you, even though I've stayed away for a, a long period of time, it's very nice of you when I have shown up not to have uh, revealed anything. And even though, to I think most people it would be considered, I guess, common knowledge or, or whatever. And so uh, it, that I, I deeply appreciate that. But so, Dorm, it would be a success for you not to find out what things were going on? Because you said you were going to be kind of a hermit for a little bit. And... No, no, it's been great. I mean, there's plenty of ways. <laughs> I mean, first of all, there's been a lot of other things to be involved with, like uh, Perry knows uh, massively into Korra, the, the that whole Avatar series. Um, that's been fun to explore. It's been really fun to explore some some great things that have been on British television and and other media. Doctor Who is not. It's not even my favorite show, so it's not really hard to you know, put it on ice for a while, especially if the BBC isn't going to grant us, uh, you know, that much in the way of new material, you know. Um, so that, none of that's been hard. It's not been a burden. It was it was very slightly dicey around, you know, whatever that was, August the 4th. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, nothing about it was difficult or painful. I didn't go to withdrawal symptoms. I mean, I, I think at one point, Ian had a very amusing idea that I might do this, you know, uh, weekly sort of uh, posting to this show and say, you know, how am I making out? Uh, but I never found it burdensome enough to know anything to say about that because it was like, well, you know, for any other show that one might be hooked on, does it, do you really feel the passage of time that keenly or do you just go on to something else? I think most of us just go on to something else. Um, uh, it's, it's, um, 
I, I, I can say this. There so have you been feel better if you did that. It would have been different for you if you knew no, what was going on all along. No, I, I mean, given what the result is, no, I'd rather have known because it's, it's so unextraordinary. Yeah. It's so pedestrian a choice that I'm like, well, what the you didn't hell? Get your pay, you didn't get your payoff. <laughs> no, not really. I mean, I, I will say that other people might have known spoilers about the 50th anniversary that I didn't know. And, you know, because I didn't know anything really about the 50th anniversary, there was some lovely stuff that uh, popped up and, th- and that was great. Um, but, uh, you know, the actual regenerate. And I mean, now I'm even like mildly bummed about the, the next episode because at this point it doesn't matter. I mean, at this point I already am beyond caring about what happens to Matt Smith and I don't care about what's happening to the new guy. So it's not say I won't watch it. Of course I'll watch it, but I'm not like, I'm not If you asked me yesterday or day before yesterday, if I was enthused about the Christmas special, I'd be like, yeah, I'm, you know, really chuffed about that. Now it's like, oh, it's just going to be a Christmas special. And even though it's a regeneration episode, I mean, my God, how many regenerations have we seen in the past week alone? I mean, aren't we regenerated out at this point? But eight, nine, or new nine. Um, and now we're going to have 11. And it's like, come on, we're done with regeneration. What I'm, what I'm now waiting for is the next season, an actual proper series of that I can get stuck into and that I can not think, Oh, there's going to be, you know, what's going to happen with this monstrous 50th anniversary thing that's coming up? Is it going to suck or whatever? That's one of the greatest things I find about this um, not knowing what's coming up is, you know, I I will admit to being at points quite tense because I didn't know what was coming up and thinking, Moffat's going to blow this. Moffat's going to blow this. He's going to totally (laughs) blow this. And he didn't blow it. He hit it out of the ballpark, which is great. But... um, I, I don't know. I just I I, I don't Dar- did it, I, feel I, I care about what happens next season. Sorry, go ahead. Did you feel um, because I listened to where you were talking about the placing of this war doctor, and hmm. you was mentioned I I, yeah at the end of it you were talking about how the placing in the other doctors um, how you were going to feel about that. How did you feel about them? Because it, oh, you mean last week? I end, see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, when you... Oh, uh, yeah. well, yeah, I mean, um, I think I'm with you in that I don't... I don't particularly understand why it was absolutely necessary to have another incarnation there. I think I think Moffat's ideas has been revealed in a, an interview recently. He said, well, I needed to... Or I just couldn't believe that McGann would be the one to fight the time war. I, I disagree with that. I really think that the, story, the story of McGann would be quite satisfying had it been him. But I got to tell you, the story of this war doctor is actually intriguing. I mean, it it, it is good. I, I I don't have a complaint about it. Um, it. It's just, you know, in my mind, I did always think it was McGann. I never for a moment even thought it was Eccleston. I mean, I thought it was all McGann, McGann pushes the button, and then regenerates after pushing the button. That's what I kind of thought. Out of guilt, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, 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 not out of guilt. Uh, no, I mean, he does no, it no, because no, no. I mean, I mean, regenerates I, after it. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, I, would, I, thought he, I thought he regenerated because, you know, he, he's 
trudging through the, oh, it, the yeah. war zone and you know, wounded yeah hit by dalek five times and all he can do is lift out his hand to push the button as soon as he pushes the button daleks yeah. go gallifrey goes he goes you know that's what i kind of thought it was some really big palm again size well i don't know much bigger than palm again size um you know heroic action which i could totally see him pulling off uh but i, I don't this this is fine i don't I think it's a great story. I think the fact that, as Dave pointed out, you know, Hurt delivers us a performance that was unexpected, that was, you know, nicely sympathetic in a way that you, I certainly wasn't expecting. Well, I mean, I wasn't expecting from him, but you wouldn't have necessarily expected given the last bits of Night of the Doctor. Um, you know, all that's been great. Um and, and so I don't really have a problem with it because, like I said, the beauty of what Moffat's writing here is he puts it all back into proper place so that, you know, the Ninth Doctor doesn't know any of this happens. So, of course, he feels survivor's guilt. The Tenth Doctor doesn't know this. So, of course, you know, still on New Earth when he's talking to Martha, he can, you know, emote truthfully in that way. Um, so all that's great. Uh, but I... There, there is nothing about Paul McGann that couldn't have done this, but uh, I do think that for the fact that this is in movies, in in cinemas, um, it's probably a good idea to have somebody of the caliber of Hurt in it, so that you've got, you know, you got at least one name in the billing that people know. You know, I, I don't think the average person knows who Matt Smith is. I don't think the average person necessarily knows who David Tennant is, but they do know John Hurt. So you might pick up some people who casually go to the movies all the time, who look at this thing that's, you know, one showing only or maybe two showings only and say to themselves, well, I don't know. Oh, John Hurt. I might go do that just because, you know, a general cinema fan might follow John Hurt into a movie theater. So I, I, I get the behind the scenes things. And I, I agree with, I, I guess it was Jeff. I agree with Jeff that probably, Almost certainly, this thing was written to have Eccleston, and Hurt is a replacement for Eccleston. I mean, you can kind of see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which is sad, definitely. Uh, it's not sad, though. I mean, you got the, the other aspect of this is that we have a whole new incarnation that lived for a really long time, apparently. Uh, so I think that there, there's a good possibility that you're going to see some Doctor Magazine comics Perhaps in this long wait until we get to the Capaldi era proper, you might see over the months of, say, I don't know, March to June 2014, you might get a uh, War Doctor comic strip, which I would love. I'd eat that up with a spoon. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have the possibility of getting maybe one novel out of this guy, at least. Um, And, you know, who knows, as we go forward, you might find a production team in 2020 that says, all right, yeah, we'll, we'll license, you know, the ability to write books with this guy, you know? So it it opens up a whole new era for Dr. Who. And, and you never know, John Hurt might just go into big finish. Could and they, do, so an, an aging actor, he might find that. He might. And they might make it less demanding. Um, yeah. Um, so, you know, all around just, just a, fabulous episode there's really nothing to to complain about um it certainly makes much more sense than the three doctors um it is it, i think it's without a doubt the best multi-doctor 
television story that's ever been. Um, and again, in terms of, come back to Moffat's writing here because it was about a real thing. It was about, it wasn't about somebody playing chess on a board or whatever the hell Barusa was up to. It wasn't about, you know, some faceless dude trying to take over the world from the back of a black hole. It, it, it was about a central idea that is core to the character of the doctor. Do you kill even when logic demands that you really should or do even at that moment? You take your life in your hands and you say, you know what, I'm going to try not to kill and hopefully this is going to work out. And I, I just I just think that's a marvelous thing to do with the character. Um it, it it just reverberates over the whole history of the show in such a nice and flavorful way. Um, this is this is something that actually has mattered in a way that really the five doctors doesn't matter. And I think, you know, the other really clever thing that they did here was Clara is the only companion. And this is something that you, you almost take away from three doctors in a way, because really Joe is sort of the only companion there. But here she absolutely is the only companion. Very small cast. And I, I just think that that is, allowed the storytelling, obviously, to focus on the doctor or, or the three doctors that you had there. Um, and it, it also gave her a meaningful role that Joe doesn't really have in the three doctors. Really, you know, the key to this whole thing is Clara. Really. I mean, she's the one that turns the screw that makes them all decide, okay, we're not going to let history go down that way again. So she has a meaningful role to play, which is really important, I think, for her character. Um, and, 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 you know, you get a little bit of reference, a lot of reference to other companions. And, you know, this really nice moment where she goes up to the board and looks at a picture of Susan, which is quite lovely, really. Um, and, and, and you can certainly find all the old classic references that you want to by... You know, the reference to the Cromer incident, the, you know, the fact that it's in the 70s or the 80s, depending upon which uh, time scale you want to be using. Uh, these multiple references to, uh, as, as Ken pointed out, um, the character from the uh, Planet of the Dead, Malcolm Taylor, um, just little thing. I, I'm not entirely sure why Osgood, and again, that's a great name because Osgood was a scientific advisor in the demons, and this person could be related, although we don't really know. I'm not sure why she's wearing the fourth doctor's scarf, but she does something that I always loved about the fourth doctor, and that is actually use the scarf as a weapon. And as soon as she did that, I actually had to stop playback because I was like, that is very cool. Of course, I didn't know that it was going to be Trump by actually seeing Tom Baker later on, who I think, by the way, just gives a performance that is better than most of the stuff that he's done in audio lately. Uh, there's something about that guy. You put him in front of a camera, and he does remember how to do him, I guess. It, it adds a certain level of frisson to his performance that I don't think you get in audio. Uh, it's... I couldn't believe if I closed my eyes, that would have just been Tom Baker from the past because his voice was absolutely perfect in a way that sometimes it's not on audio. So lots of good things if you like the classic era, but not the beauty of it is it is about 
defining the character in a way that hasn't been done before. And I, I just, I can't really enthuse about it enough. I, I would only say, in addition, you know, we're not talking about, I suppose, other things that are around the 50th anniversary. But, you know, when Moffat said a year ago, oh, don't worry about the 50th anniversary. It's not just going to be one 60-minute episode. Of course, it's not going to be that. I kind of didn't believe him. And, and, you know, in one sense, that was a little bit of a lie because there is only, you know, one major piece of fictional narrative that, that came out on television. But he's got so much other stuff. You know, all this, you really can't possibly fault the BBC for not celebrating the 50th anniversary of this thing. If anything, you might say they almost tried to do too much. Uh, certainly with that, that after party thing that happened, <laughs> that was a disaster. That was an unqualified disaster. And you can even see at one point Stephen Moffat with his head in his hands as they're trying to do this. this incredibly dumb satellite link up to LA. You can just see him. Oh my God, this is going crazy. This is the worst thing I've ever been involved with. I am going to fire somebody if I can, um, uh, you know, and so they, they did try to go almost too far, but you know, when you look at the combination of things that have happened in the last week, you look at how BBC radio has supported it and you look at, uh, you know, all the news programs, you know, that have been going in, in Britain, uh, it's, it's, it's incredible. It really is incredible. And I'm in no way seriously disappointed about anything except for, as we'll find out next week, an adventure in time and space. Yeah. And, and just add again to the reference, we'll, I think we'll definitely cover that to five-ish doctors as well next week. Do it, we'll do a double, uh, I think, hopefully with the Ian's permission on that. Okay, Darth, let me play a clip and then... Um, Cobo, I'm sure, is raring to go, and uh, we'll see how uh, what he thinks. Um, so let's have a clip. Thanks for all that, Darth. I always enjoy it. Here we go. James Grujana. Same software, different case. 400 years. Sorry? But at a software level, they're all the same device, aren't they? Same software, different case. Yeah. So? So, it would take centuries for the screwdriver to calculate how to disintegrate the door. Scanning the door, implanting the calculation as a permanent subroutine in the software architecture. And if you really are me, with your sand shoes and your dicky bow, and that screwdriver is still mine, that calculation is still going on. Yeah, still going. Calculation complete. Same software, different say. Hey, 400 years in four seconds. We may have had our differences, which is frankly odd in the circumstances, but I tell you what, boys, we are incredibly clever. Okay, uh, let's go to Kobo, and then we'll go to you, Robert, after. Sorry for the long wait, but uh, we do uh, want to get round everybody before we uh, get to the end. So, Kobo, are you good to go now? Um, yeah, I love the episode, and um, it was great to see David Tennant again. I don't think he was... 
strictly comic relief. Especially when he confronts Matt Smith's doctor about forgetting. And he's like, no, just for this once, I really want to know where I'm going. That was a pivotal moment for me. Um, But I did think the bunny scene was hilarious. Where he's like, I am the oncoming storm. I am blah, 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 blah. And you are just a bunny. (laughs) That was wonderful. And, um... This whole thing, like Dar said, changing history but not changing history. Almost impossible task. And this is classic Moffat. This is Empty Child Moffat. This is the Doctor Dances Moffat. This is um. This is Blink Moffat. Um, and I've been hypercritical of the screwdriver over the years because it has been able to do much, do too much. But I think that scene with Doorway explains how it can do so much. It's always been able to do that at a software level. The doctor just hasn't always used it as such. So I'm quite willing to accept the screwdriver as what what it's become now. But that also sets up as well the, the second solution with the TARDIS calculation, you know, where the 10th Doctor says, I've been planning this for so long, and then we see the first Doctor, presumably, setting that calculation on the way. We need somebody to mute there. I think that's... Anyway, go on. Exactly. But I've been one of the people that thought the Sonic Screwdriver was just a plot hole filling device, but now... It's made me re-examine everything. I've even started right the way back in the beginning of the modern series and re-examining the Christopher Eccleston era. And I think the reason he falls in love with Rose is because he's, he's lost after the events of the Time War. And now we know why he's so lost. And yes, that's out of character for the for the doctor, but the doctor honestly doesn't know who he is anymore. And he latches on to the first first person that he becomes emotionally attached to and and that kinda of makes the whole Rose Doctor relationship make sense in a way. 
So I think Muffet kind of patched that whole thing up to my satisfaction. So I even like Standard Rose more. But a point that I wanted to bring up, did anybody watch the American free show? I know you probably did, Jeff. Yes. And um, Actually, Ken, I didn't, Kobo. Um, but did you see Philip DeFranco had a bad wolf shirt on? Uh, yes. Um, I almost wonder whether the people involved in the pre-show got, like, a private screening, because otherwise, that's one heck of a coincidence. You know what I'm, you know what I mean? Yeah, but they, that's, that's kind of a important kind of thing of the show, so, yeah, they might have, yeah. <laughs> where you're who finest and Bad Wolf would come up. What, what did you think, Cobra, about the fact that, that they went with John Hurt rather than Paul McGann? I'm glad we got to see Paul McGann in the night of the Doctor, and I loved John Hurt as the Doctor, so I have no complaints now. All right. Um, and I think this makes me want to re-examine the whole of the modern series in light of all all of this, and that's exactly what I'm doing with a friend of mine right now, is going through the whole of the modern series, and it's just wonderful watching him go through it for the first time, and it's made me appreciate Eccleston's Doctor a lot more, and even though Eccleston wasn't involved in the 50th, that in no way takes away from the fact that he was a great doctor. We may not like him for what he did behind the scenes, but in front of the camera. What? What are you talking about? What did he do behind the scenes? I thought he insulted some fans and... I thought he made the choice to walk away from the show. He had some differences with the production production things, but nothing to do with the fans. No, it wasn't clearly explained. I think with Christopher Eccleston, he had problems with the productions and stuff like that. But a lot of that was hearsay. Um, Eccleston never came out and said that, um, you know, he hated the way that and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it was basically... All we know is that he exercised an option that was in his contract and that he had the legal right to do. There was no need to be throwing aspersions at Eccleston. Right, he just basically wanted to move on after the first year. Oh, no, he, I didn't mean it's his fault. There was a difference of opinion. I thought there was information that there was a difference or a clash of choices, not necessarily that either side was at fault. 
I don't know. Eccleston loved the fans. I mean, he enjoyed the kids especially. And that's if you ever listened to the interview that they did on um, the DVD of the first series, um, they interview Eccleston for a breakfast show or something like that for I think like the first ten minutes. And he clearly says he enjoys the fans and enjoys especially the the little kids to have him being the doctor. So. <sighs> So maybe I completely misjudge Chris Reichelson. I would love to see more of him. He's a great actor. I would love to have at least, you know, two or three years with him, but, you know, we're fortunate to have the one year that we did. And he did toss it to the ninth doctor. Definitely. Before we go to Robert properly then, Cobra, anything else you want to add? And then I'll play a clip and then we'll go to Robert. Um, no, I'll just say it made me re-examine a lot of things, and it was just wonderful, and once I get my classic knowledge up, I will want to revisit this episode to pick out all those nice little Easter eggs, because obviously I got a few of them, but I'm sure there were more that I totally missed. There are definitely quite a lot of references to past episodes. Can't think of them off the top of my head at the moment, but a few. Yeah. I think we're so fortunate to be alive at this period in the show, and Stephen Moffat is doing his best writing of his him being the head writer and my thing to take away from this is this is the real Stephen Moffat. Now where the heck were you for the last you know, five years or so? Right. And that's really it. Okay. I'll play a clip and then we'll go to Robert. And then, uh, and, and I haven't forgotten you, uh, Carl. We'll go to Carl after Robert, but uh, here we are. I told you he hasn't done it yet. Go away now, all of you. This is for me. These events should be time-locked. We shouldn't even be here, so if something let us through. You clever boys. Go back. Go back to your life. Oh, and be the doctor that I could never be. Make it worthwhile. All those years burying you in my memory. Pretending you didn't exist. Keeping you a secret even from myself. Pretending you weren't the doctor when you were the doctor more than anybody else. You were the doctor on the day it wasn't possible to get it right. But this time, you don't have to do it alone. Thank you. What we do today is not out of fear or hatred. It is done because there is no other way. And it is done in the name of the many lives we are failing to save. 
you know, they act right off the screen there, don't they? I mean, they're not even on visuals, but I mean, uh, I do appreciate actually doing these audios because you get so much more sometimes when you just listen to the audio. Uh, anyway, Robert, thank you for waiting and staying with us. And Carl, we haven't forgotten you. I hope you can stay on audio till your turn. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, I um, usually I don't come on here as much as I used to. It's been a long time since I used to regularly on here, but I felt I should come on today because, um, you know, brilliantly this um, 50th anniversary um, episode was wonderful and a story to it. It's something that we discussed a long time ago about talking of the time war and how it related with the Eighth Doctor and all that. I mentioned that I would love for them to explore more of the time war, and we were kind of doubtful that they were they were going to do that. But here we get um, Moffat, ex, you know, expanding on RTD's idea of um, all the way back to um, series one of the new series about. Um, the doctor and the burden he carried from the time war itself. And then we get um, the marvelous performances of all the um, actors in this um, story. Now, the whole thing with um, with me was I've always been interested in Gallifrey and the Time Lords, and Dorf can relate to that. I've mentioned from time to time on this show as well that I always wanted to know the history um, of them and always to watch the episodes where um, you know they've been in and frankly it came down to when I was watching this it this is the three doctors of this generation is pretty much what this story is and I kind of smile you know as I was watching this um, I'm um, you know not only a big um, Tom Baker fan but I have been enjoying the new series. Uh, I'm not, I always say I've never been that crazy for Matt Smith. He's been okay to me. Um, Eccleston seems to be my favorite next to David Tennant as the um, actors that portrayed the Doctor. And just seeing the end part of the Time War and, and see how it was going, we still never got how it all began in the first place. Um, we, I, I could be satisfied with what we got right here, um, an explanation and a scene of the battle, um, the main battle as well. I, um, really did enjoy John Hurt's portrayal, even though I still wish more screen time for the, um, Eighth Doctor, the, um, I would like to see Paul McGann instead of John Hurt in this role. I, I still go with that. I, I think um, it would have been deserved for him instead of the little off-segment, seven-minute thing that we got with the Night of the Doctor. Um, I did enjoy Night of the Doctor, by the way. I know, I know you guys talked about it previously, and it was great to see Paul McGann again. Um, but I would love if they do decide to if they do a spin-off series with the Eighth Doctor, set it up like they did with um, The Adventures of Sarah Jane, um, have six episode three story situation where we would get him on screen, uh, I think it would do well. And 
I feel that with Moffat, what he did was he listened to the fans, and, and that's the nice thing about um, Stephen Moffat, this producer at this time, that he does listen to the fans. He is a fan himself of Doctor Who, so he knows what we like and what we want to see, and I think it's been excellent that um, he decided to, like I said, expand on RTD's idea of the time war and go ahead and, and show us the elements of what happened because by far um, I did really enjoy this episode and um, very much it, it's nice to um, see um, the scene where the TARDISes are all intertwining to try to put into effect moving Gallifrey into a pocket universe or different universe to where, you know, the the dialects destroy themselves in the process. And I think that was a great idea that it took, you know, this, the doctor himself, and with the help, maybe the bad wolf rose, so to say, or the machine that, you know, you know, the boxes, as long as we want to call it or whatever, that was in waiting the The, mo the moment, the, yeah. Yeah, the moment that where um, there was another solution that you can go and not just have to um, wipe out everybody, that there has to be an alternative, an option, and the option was given. And basically that's what this whole 50th anniversary um, episode is about, is about hope. And trying to correct the wrong. Maybe some people felt it was wrong for the doctor to um, end the conflict the way he ended it. And so let's go ahead and kind of do a variant or a time change to where um, the doctor is not held responsible um, for what happens at the end. Because the first series, and like I said, this all connects all the way back to the first series where, you know, in the episodes and also future episodes where we have these different creatures and, and different aliens that um, try to come and take over Earth because of what happened with their planet being destroyed. Um, we get the same situation with the Zygons as well, why they came back to 15th century England during that time. Um, it's go it was good to see the Zygons again and and one thing I wanted to ask Darth, um, how did you feel? Because I know you're a fan of the Zygons as well, especially with the least time that they got shown since Terror of the Zygons and the Power of Three. How did you feel, Darth, about the use of um, the Zygons in this? Oh, I think they were perfect. I think that they were absolutely required by the plot. You needed to resolve the situation by... Um, you know, releasing the, the memory gas that confused people as to what they were, what race they were. And the only way that that would even be relevant as a solution is if you had a shape-shifting species. So why not bring back the Zygons? Um, and, and a sneaking part of me, and I, I think we won't know this for a year until they do like a formal Andrew Pixley or something from uh, Doctor Who Magazine really gets into the production notes. I would not be surprised if that was David Tennant's Soul demand on his contract was it's got to be Zygons because we know he loves them. We know he always wanted to meet them, so I would not be at all surprised if David Tennant's the reason it was Zygons. 
Yeah, because Big Finish has used Zygons before, so especially with the Paul McGann Doctor. Definitely. But all in all, very good episode, and I really did enjoy it. A four out of five for me on this, and looking forward to the Christmas episode. Thank you, and we'll have to... On. Yeah, thank you, and we'll have to remember to ask people to put the ratings in later. Don't put them in now, because Ian will not be able to find them all. I'll play a clip, and then we'll go to um, uh, Lightly, which I believe is Carl. I'm not actually suggesting that we change our own personal history. We change history all the time. I'm suggesting something far worse. What exactly? Gentlemen, I have had 400 years to think about this. I changed my mind. There's still a billion, billion Daleks up there attacking. Yes, there is. There is. But there's something those billion, billion Daleks don't know. Because if they did, they'd probably send for reinforcements. What? What don't they know? <laughs> this time there's three of us. Oh! 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 Yes, that is good! That is brilliant! Oh! Oh, oh, I'm getting that too. That is brilliant. Ah, ah, ah. I've been thinking about it for centuries. She didn't just show me any old future. She told me exactly the future I needed to see. Now you're getting it. Hey. Oh, bad wolf girl, I could kiss you. Yeah, that's going to happen. So did you just say bad wolf? So what are we doing? What's the plan? The Dalek fleets are surrounding Gallifrey, firing on it constantly. Sky Trench is holding up. What if the whole planet just disappeared? Tiny bit of an ask. The Daleks would be firing on each other. They'd destroy themselves in their own crossfire. Gallifrey would be gone, the Daleks would be destroyed, and it would look to the rest of the universe as if they'd annihilated each other. But where would Gallifrey be? Frozen. Frozen in an instant of time. Safe and hidden away. Exactly like a painting. <laughs> I don't know how much uh, new music was in this one, uh, but uh, it, it seems to come in the appropriate things without being, um, you know, overbearing. I uh, thought it was good. But anyway, Carl's waited long enough. Uh, hi, Carl. Hello. I, you're, you're, sorry for your long wait. Someone yeah, has no, to go last. <laughs> well, Ian yeah. in this case, but there you go. Yeah. Um, one thing, I don't know if it's been mentioned already, but the sign... Um, just after you see the policeman walking for the foreman get out. Sorry. Oh. Like you know you, where the target You mean yeah, you mean the, the yard? Yeah, the top, yeah. Top, yeah, yeah, we mentioned that. Well I yeah. I think I mentioned it, yeah. But it's yeah. only seventy five yards away. So uh, yeah. There there is one thing about that sign. There's an arrow pointing. Yeah. So it's not right where the sign is. It's further down. Yeah, it says 75 yards. Somewhere. It says it points says 75 yards down the road. I didn't see the 75 yard bit. Yeah. The freeze frame coming up somewhere for someone. <laughs> it, it says 76 Totters Lane is what it says. Is it? I thought it said I, the I, distance. I, I yeah, am Mormon scrap merchant ah, perhaps, Potter's perhaps. Lane with an arrow pointing. Ah, right. So that wasn't just my mistake. Well done. He's if it was, if it was me, Jeff, but well done. 
but I mean, if you think about it, Dave, if it was 75 yards only, there wouldn't have been a need for Ian and Barbara to get into a car. That's exactly the point. That's exactly the point I made when I was talking. Mm. That's what I said. I said it seems strange that it's only that distance because they took the car to go and find it. Right. Yeah, but yeah, I, I stand corrected. I mean, it seems strange. I, I they don't allow advertising like that in London. No, it was to the, no, 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 no. The whole point was to 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 have that transition from the original black and white. Uh, I'm right, guessing the uh, original badge to, to have the policeman's shadow, to have Totter's sure. Lane, to sure, have the sure, Cole Yards. Sure. So it's just a transition. I, 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 get the, I get the Doctor Who point, but I'm saying as a matter of, you know, real world London, they don't, there aren't little ads like that on the side of the street as far as I remember. Are there? They're, they're usually on clapperboards where the, the, the business will go out and stick them on the ground, you know, little boards yeah. that they put a brick under so they don't blow away or a sandbag. And then they have to take a minute at night, and they get sued if anybody falls over them. Yeah, seems strange too that a school, would, which is you know government property, would have allowed advertising on the side of it too. I mean, it's kind of a dumb, you know. It you, you get the point immediately. It's just a bit of yeah. Doctor Who magic, but it's it's when you examine it, it's ridiculous, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Carl. Um, also, there's a point with that. It was, with the school, like, it's supposed to be set, like, 50 years or more, like, after the original. Yeah, yeah, yeah English, yeah, there's a lot of old schools yeah. in the UK. It surprised me that a school that was there in 1963 would still be there, looking yeah. pretty much the same, except for a coat of paint, 50 years on. Yeah. Um, also, I actually saw it in the cinema. But when the old credits came up, like there's a bit of a chair, which I thought was actually, well, I thought that having the old credits was quite good kind of at the beginning, like as if it was that's a right. in the first episode, Doctor Who. Was that, was that it? wasn't in 3D, surely, though? That bit. Um, Did you go no. to 3D viewing? Yeah. Yeah, they haven't done something magic to that to make it look 3D, no. Um, no. Um, also, there was a bit at the beginning, like, with Matt Smith, like, saying about putting on 3D glasses and then trying to make his 3D. Right. In the sim. Also, there has a gag where he announces, like, 12D for the 130. As if, like, he just as if he was there and travelled back in time. Right. <laughs> um, also, like, um, also, also, it's a bit interesting, like, where Clara just drives in the mo- on the motorbike. Oh, when she drives straight into the, uh, into uh, the yeah, car? <laughs> And then Matt says there's a draft, and she just clicks her fingers to close yeah. the door. <laughs> I like that bit. I mentioned that. Yeah. yeah, it's good. yeah. What That's I noticed right. was the uh, doctor was reading a book called Advanced Quantum Mechanics, but there was no math in it at all. Anyhow. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Carl. Yeah. Um, also, tell us a bit fun, like, where the doctor's on the telephone. On the outside of the TARDIS, 
instead of using the one that was inside. All right. Do we know that the new interior has a phone? Has has it been used before? Um, I'll tell I, know you the prior, I know the prior console had a phone. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you when Winston Churchill, like, at the end of the second episode, in Matt, Matt Smith's first series. Yeah, but that was like, the other console. It was a different console. Oh, it's a different it, console? It, I think it, it just picked that phone because that meant it had the ability to fall out, didn't it? I mean, it was... Yeah. I think that was the the reason why that phone was used for the effect. Yeah. And so, so, so he could host us up. That um, left hand, like, um, Silas name. Um, the girl, like, that was in charge of Eunice. Oh, the, the, the yeah, his daughter. Because yeah. he is Stuart's daughter. Um, yeah, like so that she could hear the helicopter engine. Realised that she was doing the task. That's right. That's another reason. Yeah. Yeah. What about in a, an, a, an overall sense? Um, I mean, presumably it was quite a different experience watching it in a cinema with a with a large group. So I mean, yeah. was it was it unanimous? Was everybody happy with it? Were you, were you going along with everybody? Or were, um, yeah. yeah, I think. It, there seemed to be a chair, like people were clapping at the end. So I think they probably enjoyed it. And what about uh, quite a number of people have uh, made a comment about having John Hurt in it. Do you think that was that was something that you preferred? Did you like having the idea that it wasn't the Doctor that had done this? It was the the Warrior, the Warrior Doctor, uh, the Warrior Time Lord. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's like good. Um, I'm not sure about the numbering myself, whether Matt Smith is actually the twelfth, or whether the doctors right. have changed them. Right. Yeah. But yet we 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 think we we think we're agreed that um, at the e- the end when yeah. the regeneration happens, that it is he is actually changing into. Christopher Eccleston. Now, whether that counts as a another number, or he was basically, you know, yeah. as I like to think of it, and oh, there's Robert gone. Uh, um, it's just a dark quickening, as in Highlander. Oh, could John Hess be maybe the eight doctor, just from a Joseph version? Yeah, yeah, just the the, the eight doctor. Because of course, um, yeah. again, it depends on. That's one of the things. It depends on when you actually saw the night of the doctor. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I did see it. Just before. Um, I thought it was interesting with Paul McGann. Um, also, I noticed that just after I watched it, I came across a petition for trying to get Paul McGann, like, to do more kind of footage, more episodes kind. Right. Um, also, I heard those announcements that Stephen Marshall and Paul McGann were going to do some more disaster. So it'll be interesting to see if anything else comes. All right. 
any other thought? What about the use of the Zygons and uh, the fact that there was basically two stories going on, which were, yeah. were obviously intertwined? Yeah. Um, I think maybe with the Zygons, since they lost the home planet, maybe that was during the time war. Maybe do with the Doctor. Could they, like with the change of how the God saves Galifrey and that at the end, could have changed those events? Maybe Saigon's never came to it. Okay. So it basically gets a thumbs up from you. And, and uh, it's difficult yeah. going after so many people when when perhaps many points that you were going to raise have already been raised. But I mean, uh, overall, it took, you, you gave it a good... I mean, do you want to give a rating as well? Um, yeah. I think I'd give it a five times Wow, right. I don't think you'd be the only one to do that, by the way, give it that situation. Okay, yeah. uh, 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 is there anything else you want to mention before we go to a clip then on to Ian? Are you okay? Uh, I think maybe with the Garfanes, could be possible that there might be two different Garfanes, like one trapped in time. Oh, that's a, question, in that's a question for Perry now, whether the universe is split with yeah. two ti- divergent timelines. <laughs> I don't know whether Perry wants to put a scientific hat on and answer that one. Maybe we can leave that to, as a moot point. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't think that's found in the quantum mechanics textbook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're still reading that one. Okay, Carl. Thanks very much. And again, um, obviously, next time you come on audio, we'll try and not make you not wait too long. We do try and uh, yeah. you know move us around each time. Okay, thanks for your contribution. I'm going to play a clip and then hopefully uh, know that Ian is uh, ready to uh, have his say. Thanks again, and here's the clip. Another one. Are you sure the message is from him? Oh, yes. Why would he do that? What's the mad fool talking about now? Hello, hello. Gallifrey High Command. This is the Doctor speaking. Hello, also the Doctor. Can you hear me? Also the Doctor. Standing ready. Dear God, three of them. All my worst nightmares at once. General, we have a plan. We should point out at this moment it is a fairly terrible plan. It almost certainly won't work. I was happy with fairly terrible. Sorry, thinking out loud. We're flying our three TARDISes into your lower atmosphere. We're positioned at equidistant intervals around the globe. Equidistant? So grown up. Just about ready to do it. Ready to do what? We're going to freeze Gallifrey. I'm sorry, what? Using our TARDISes, we're going to freeze Gallifrey in a single moment in time. You know, like those stasis cubes? Single moment in time held in a parallel pocket universe. Except we're going to do it to a whole planet. And all the people on it. What? Even if that were possible, which isn't. Why would you do such a thing? Because the alternative is burning. And I've seen that. And I never want to see it again. Be lost in another universe, frozen in a single moment. We'd have nothing. You would have hope, and right now that is exactly what you don't have. It's delusional. The calculations alone would take hundreds of years. Oh, hundreds and hundreds, but don't worry. I started a very long time ago. Okay, and. Uh... 
we've got the plural for TARDIS now, haven't we? It's TARDISes, not TARDI. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Ian, and um, uh, I, I was going to read out what Mike says, but since he mentions another podcast, I don't think I will. Yeah, yeah, we're allowing, we're allowing you out. Well, my first viewing did not go well. Uh, like eight or nine interruptions. Well, apart from you know being spoiled before I'd even seen it by a oh. member of the collective, <coughs> who I won't mention, Mary. <coughs> it's going to last at least a year, just so you know that, Perry. At least a year. Yeah. 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 <sighs> yeah. Um. And plus, no, no reflection on the show itself, but I actually fell asleep like five or six times. My wife and I did not do a good night's sleep the night before, so I had to watch it again, um, which was a lot better of a watching because I picked up on all the stuff I'd missed, um, like how exactly they got into the uh, the, uh, the dark vault. <laughs> I completely missed that the first time. Okay. Um, but yeah, some lovely stuff. Uh, loved uh, Kate Stewart's you know, stuff that she's walking away about unit and, uh, and the dating and and, uh, and uh, chroma. <laughs> I, I I really like the idea of, of the Zygons basically hiding under the under the, the shrouds. It's such a simple idea. It's like you know here you just got the stone and you're like, why well, is the doctor examining the stone? Why is he wanting to examine? And then you kind of forget about it. It's kind of the stone's kind of brushed under the rug. <clears throat> um. So it's a nice little payoff later on when <laughs> she suddenly realizes, hang on a second, who'd want to smash up statues? Oh, bugger. Um, the, the, the the opening was a little... I, I mean, I loved, loved the fact that we used the original opening theme. That was good. Um, and then had, you know, the I Am Foreman sign and, and the Cold Hill School, you know, the, all tying into to the first episode. Um, but I thought the... Uh, the motorcycle in, being ridden into the TARDIS was just showing off. Um, as was the, you know, airlifting air, air <laughs> the TARDIS in, you know, and it, it was all just a bit of, you know, look, we're doing something ostentatious for the uh, 50th anniversary. Um, which is all really was, but there were some lovely lines scattered in there too about the batteries on the Ravens, which I just <laughs> loved. I she loved all of her lines during this whole thing and didn't really like any of the uh, any of the show offy stuff that was going on. Um, let's see what was my next point. Um, I, I I guess the only thing I didn't like about the War Doctor is that we didn't get to see him being mean and nasty. Um, you know, we were promised this Warrior Doctor, and I'm sure when he first regenerated and was out there, you know, doing all these terrible things, that was, you know, he was totally terrible. But at the end here, where he's this contemplative, you know, kind of nice guy, you know, actually turns out to be the doctor, you know, we don't get that. We we get this, we get the doctor out of the war doctor. So, um, it's a bit of a cheat. It's a bit of a cheat. Uh, thought Billy Piper did a great job. Uh, loved the fact that Stephen Moffat used Billy Piper but didn't use Rose Tyler. So it was a nice uh, nice little sidestep there, you know. Uh, how do we get Billy in it without actually having Rose? And I thought it was quite well done. 
some nice lines in there, especially the um, if I ever have an ego, you've got the job. <laughs> this is when that one just cracked me up. Um, there's another line later on too that, that like, Megan just looked at me when I started laughing out loud, and I can't even remember what it was now. It's just one of those things that just really caught me as being really, really funny. Um, let's see. Uh, it's good to see all of the battle scenes and everything. Um, you'll get a kind of visualization of the time war. It's never going to live up to anybody's expectations, but I think they did a really, really good job. Um, uh, I'm just uh, commenting on Capaldi's, uh, Capaldi's eyes comment and motorcycle cop rode into the TARDIS in the movie. Yeah, that was a good comedy bit, but the other bit... But was it it, yeah, but at least it references. I mean, there's a lot of little references to other episodes. I don't know if it was a reference or just... How how can we how can we introduce the the, the TARDIS and the Doctor in a big way? Oh, let's have them ride right in. But, you know, it's just I just think it was just showing off for showing off. Thing. It was good. But it was just showing off. <laughs> um, was a little uh, underwhelmed by the Zygons. Um, I thought they were treated a little too monster-like. Uh, the Zygons I remember were scheming and you heard a lot more talking and we got just a lot of growling from them when they were actually Zygons. I think only I think we only get uh, one, two lines one speech. Of, a, of, yeah. of, of, a, of a Zygon when they're in Zygon mode and it was right after um, uh, Kay Stewart's uh, you know, doppelganger changes back and right before it changes back to her that's the only time we really get them speaking and oh and back when um before the one gets put in the picture and so i was uh, that, that disappointed me a little because we just got a lot of growling and hissing from them and um to me that didn't seem to be right you know oh i've started this whole thread in the chat now about motorcycles and tarts <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, it's all going on. Um, I'm, I'm trying to find things. Basically, uh, I'm not grasping for, for 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 ideas. I'm just trying to come up with things that haven't been mentioned necessarily, or you know, my take on on things. Um, the end part was pretty good. Uh, I, I'm still not sure about the whole very very end where the Doctor's going home. Uh, it sounds too mission like. Um, so, but it all depends on how it's handled in the future. It's interesting to have erased the whole, um, from at least this point onward, the whole oh I've killed my all my you know my my entire race of people oh woe is me pity is me uh, it's gone now you know um, we've wiped that clean it doesn't have to be a a problem anymore um, I mean they're still frozen in time in a pocket universe which. It's not too far from having destroyed your entire race, because uh, at some point you've got to let them out again. Um, the last scene I could have done without, with all the doctors standing there in the mist, because to be honest, they didn't pull it off. It probably would have been better if they just kept the the, the shot from um, behind Matt's head, or when they went around the front, just had the three of them, uh, because. The faces didn't look realistic. It looked like you know they'd walked into the uh, uh, the Doctor Who experience for a yeah for a bit. 
Let's see what else. Uh, I'd read actually somebody on on online saying basically that uh, you know they only had one one companion and she didn't do anything in the whole thing, which I gotta wonder you know if they were actually watching because if anything the the whole reason why they ended up saving you know Gallifrey was because of because of her. The only reason why the doctor showed up to help um, the war doctor is is because of her. She realized. That, that you know he hadn't done it yet, which none of the doctors had, had done. So I thought that was quite a nice little um, Clara moment. She took the time to you know, observe uh, the doctor and and, and understand. Uh, Love some some of the little you know reference moments. You know the very opening was great uh, when they're in the the the, the black vault. There's all those, you know, pictures and stuff on on the on the pegboards. Uh, you see Clara kind of linger at, uh, at Susan's picture. Uh, the interesting thing though was that uh, there's a picture of uh, of Clara and Kate Stewart um, when Clara got, you know, her high security access, which of course hasn't happened yet. Um, and how carefully they actually made sure that the um, the pictures there were just her and Clara, no doctor. So who knows when that occurs? Uh, could be the next doctor. Could be the doctor after that. Uh, moment has passed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, did somebody swallow it? Um, <coughs> sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. Oh yes, I did. Um, it was all pretty well done. Uh, you know, it would have been very, very easy to try and go way overboard with it. And, you know, the last thing I think I wanted was to have every single Doctor in it. Uh, because then we would have just had the five Doctors and it would have been just kind of silly. But we did get, of course, um, the five-ish Doctors, but more about that next week. Um, I want to make a point about that, but I won't because it's... Spoilers if you haven't seen it. Um... What was under those shrouds? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was it was a good little adventure, um, which is what it should be, I think. Uh, There's enough little references in it uh, that, that that made it fun and good for fans. Uh, the, the pace kept going, wasn't too slow, wasn't too convoluted, which uh, you, you really have to kind of congratulate Stephen Moffat on. <laughs> Uh, not making it too convoluted. And I like the way how everything's kind of tidied up. Uh, when everybody goes back to their times, only the most current Doctor remembers. And to them, it would be like they had just actually destroyed Gallifrey, so it doesn't disturb anything. Uh, even the events, uh, events in um, The End of Time, where you know Gallifrey come, tries to escape the time lock, um, that's, of course, prior to the Doctor doing those events because they said he's still in possession at the moment but that that uh, event hasn't happened all the events that we saw on Gallifrey were either on you know were, were happening in Arcadia or or in this war room uh, aside from the events going on with the the, the High Council um, so it, it looks like he did a, a good job of kind of plotting out what had taken place in the events before yeah, where you know, they finally get themselves out of there. Uh, Ten's like, no, go back in. And 
and that's all tidied up. Uh, everything kind of remains the same. You can still go back and watch, uh, you know, uh, everything in the new series without being kind of like, well, that just screws everything up. Because it doesn't. Because nobody's any the wiser. Uh, yeah, quite, quite clever, that. Yes, yes, I said that about Moffat. Quite clever. Uh, <laughs> the the bit with um, Tom at the end, it was that was. Nice. Oh, uh, now I've got a clip what? of that. In should I play it oh, before you talk about yeah. it? And uh, here we go. I never forget a face. I know you don't. And in years to come, you might find yourself revisiting a few, but just the old favourites. You were curious about this painting, I think. I acquired it in remarkable circumstances. What do you make of the title? Well, which title this too? No more. Or Gallifrey Falls. Oh, you see, that's where everybody's wrong. It's all one title. Gallifrey Falls, no more. Now, what would you think that means? It worked. It's still out there. I'm only a humble curator. I'm sure I wouldn't doubt. Then where is it? Where is it indeed? Lost. Perhaps things do get lost, you know. Now you must excuse me. Oh, you have a lot to do. Do I? Mm. Is that what I'm supposed to do now? Go looking for Gallifrey? It's entirely up to you. Your choice. Uh, I can only tell you what I would do. If I were you... If I were you... <laughs> oh, perhaps I was you, of course. <laughs> oh, perhaps you are me. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you very much. Or perhaps it doesn't matter either way. Who knows? Who knows? Okay. Yeah, that's lovely. Um, Nice to have seen, you know, nice to have gotten him back on there, and uh, he, you know, does not forget how, like that's it, he doesn't forget how to become a doctor. Um, the bit I loved was not the who knows or, or anything else, but his, because <laughs> that was the most, you know, Tom Baker's doctor thing that he did in that whole bit was just the, uh, and it was, it's a weird thing, but it was one of the things that he would do, you know, he'd just like shush somebody and it was like, uh, and it was just done perfectly. And, uh, um, and the hints there, of course, yeah. that the 11th Doctor didn't remember all the, all that had happened because it's, it's, he's reminded there that it was saved. You know, he didn't, well, no, didn't no, know I mean, that. They, just, they, they did discuss just prior to that whether they, whether ah. it worked or not. They don't really know whether you know, it actually was successful. They know Gallifrey disappeared. They don't know whether, you know, it, what happened to it, whether it actually got successfully locked into this other universe or got squashed or something. At least that's how I took the reference. It actually right. worked. Yay. Um, and, you know, it's kind of neat to think of the Doctor just, you know, taking a regeneration off and, you know, and uh, doing anything and just becoming, you know, a museum curator, you know, it seems kind of, kind of fun uh, that he would do that. And and really, the I mean, I'm taking it, I mean, I know there's people out there debating as to whether it is actually the Doctor or not. I think it is. I mean, all the references point to that. 
Um, it really kind of says that uh, the Doctor could go on forever. Just, you know, kind of this infinite regenerations kind of mist that that could be hanging over those comments. Like, you know, you'll revisit a few old faces, you know, a few familiar faces or something like that. Uh, uh, so, you know, since we know what's coming up next, that means we've got even more beyond that. And it seems kind of neat that the Doctor would go like, you know, I really like that face. I think I'll do that one again. Because I think there is, there is room for, you know, planning for a regeneration as the Doctor slows down in his, you know, 3,000th year or 4,000th, you know, he'll, he'll like, well, you know, I'm going to put some planning into this next one. <laughs> um, that's about it. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. It was good to see Colin in there, of course. Um, it was nice to see all the doctors. That was kind of a nice little moment, you know, because we just thought we were going to get the three finishing this whole thing off and then everybody is in there and uh, it's all very well done. Although I'd have to agree with, with uh, Darth and, that, uh, and, and, and Jeff on the confusing Seventh Doctor stuff. Why would you have to? Uh, huh? Yeah, it's it's, it's odd. <laughs> oh, he's so uh, great. You just... had to have him twice. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, why wouldn't you just like, if you need to, to, to have more footage, why wouldn't you just like... Um, flip it, you know, so it looked like he was at the other side of the console. Yeah, I don't know. It's the BBC, what do you do? Yeah, hey, we got to do some talk to stuff. Oh, yeah, we'll put this one in. Oh, we already had some in there. Oh, it's okay. Now, well, you'll notice. <laughs> yeah, Doctor Who fans won't notice. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I'm running out of things. But, I mean, I'll, I'll probably think of more and more things um, when uh, we come to do uh, the Colton Collective commentary, which... I have under uh, under good authority. Could very well be happening tonight. It could be out in the feeds as early as tomorrow. Could be, but you know that'd be spoilers. <laughs> All right, I think that's me, Dave. Yep, ratings and text, anyone, please. I've just put mine because I didn't give it when I was talking. Four and a half out of five for me. So, Ian, do you want to give your rating and then see if any more yeah. pop into text? That's Some have already given them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jeff's is four and a half out of five, but uh, oh, five out of five from uh, the newly engaged. Here's Willis girl. Yeah, five out of five from Darth. Four out of five from Capaldi's eyes. Berlin. <coughs> uh, Mike, one out of five. Oh, gosh. This is really going to make you want to listen to the uh, Colton Collective commentaries to find out the mystery behind one out of five. Uh, I'm not missing anything. Uh, hold on, I'm not missing anything. He he didn't actually speak in chat, right? Or no. I don't know why that is, right? Okay. He, sure. he said he he, he was he, he couldn't organize his thoughts at the moment. I think he said. Four and a half for Ken. Thank you. I think uh, I think Light Leader said five out of five when he spoke, mm -hmm. and I think what did Kobo say? I think Kobo said. Uh, I as didn't well. say anything. Oh. Okay. Oh. Mike says he, uh, I could go lower. Oh, no. Uh, Paul says I could go lower uh, than four, but a one? <laughs> and Mike says, can I go lower than one? 
So yes, I think I think Perry would tell you that it's possible to go under a zero. Okay. Well, look, while we wait to see if there's any more coming text, I've got just a 10-second clip of the bit they say at the very end, like basically next time. So if anybody oh, oh, doesn't oh, want oh, to hear... I forgot, I forgot to mention one thing. What was yeah? up with the... Oh, two things, actually. Two things. Oh, oh, well, actually, oh, one oh, thing oh, in a three fez. things. One thing uh, in a fez. Um, where did the fez come from? Somebody answered me where the fez came from. That was the thing Mike was going to ask, but didn't get to, yeah. Where did well, it come from originally? Yes. It, it was just under the glass. He found it there. Ah. Ah. But the reason why it was under the glass is because it made it all the way back to uh, um, Queen Victoria. Queen Elizabeth's time. Queen Elizabeth, I mean. put it under the glass. But where, where do you see him put it under the glass? No, no, no. Uh, the, she put all of the things that were in that um, in That, that was her evidence, there. wasn't it? So sorry, was, sorry. One, one at a time. One now? Okay. So everything that was in that gallery, the Queen put there because it was dangerous, mm. including the fez. And the fez is dangerous because it came from the vortex thrown by the doctor who picked it up from under the glass. Where do you glass see her do this? What's that? Where do you see her do this? It's an assumption. It's implied. It's, it's implied it's dangerous because it was involved with that whole thing. And so, but I thought it wouldn't I thought have been that the there. Fez, it wouldn't have been there because it the last place it ends up is with the hurt doctor. It doesn't it doesn't make a full circle. It's not like it's not like that 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 uh, it's not like the mop and Fez from season five that was so ridiculous because that literally doesn't come from anywhere. But this. It ultimately ends up with the Hurt Doctor. But the Hurt right? Doctor's still in the same time zone as then with the Queen. Not when he gets it. Also, um, oh, no, also he gets I think it. the Queen was just... When he comes, when he comes through, um, he says, also, anybody lose a fez, he brings it back with him. Oh, does he? Oh, okay. I'll have to check, but... Okay, um, okay. While, we just, while we figure that bit out, the other thing was... Um, the uh, Cybermen painting. What's up with that? Nobody's seen the Cybermen painting. So when he when he goes to get the fez on the wall behind Clara, is this pie, is a painting with a pile of Cybermen and like somebody standing over them holding a flag. Whether it's another Cyberman or not, I don't know. But yeah, go back and pull that bit. That's kind of kind of creepy. <laughs> It, it kind of looks like Washington crossing the Delaware. So no, it's it's a creepy thing. It's like there's, there's all this dangerous artwork, but it's like here's this artwork of holy cyber. It's it's can you can you meet Kobo sec, please? Uh, I'm okay. trying to understand what you're finding unusual about that because there's a there's a Cyberman head there. Too. I know, but it's just this. It's an odd thing. I mean, you, there's a Cyberman head, but then there's this painting. Of, of Cyberman, it's just kind of a creepy thing. Did it, and I was wondering if anybody saw it, and you know, what's up with that? That's kind of yeah, it looks like surrealist art, but it's Cyberman. Yeah, mm. I just find it kind of a neat, neat thing rather than a computing thing. It was just a neat thing. It was like, wow, and it was never like actually looked at. They, they just had this little conversation about the fez in front of it, and it's, so it was kind of cool to put that much work into something like that, and then you know, it's just sitting in the background, not really doing anything. Oh, so you're saying around the moment where she says, 
is it possible for you to walk by a fez and not try it on? Right. So we're in that area. Yep. Okay. Okay. Did you? I, I think. Did you read S S Michael sixty eight four and a half out of five? I think that's the only new one I think I've seen go in the room. Okay. Uh, so I've got um, this ten second clip. I'm getting echo from somewhere now. Um, uh, the ten second clip. So if you don't want to, if you if you tuned out of the last ten seconds because you didn't want to know, uh, just uh, count twelve seconds from now. Here we go. This planet, what's it called? Trendelenburg. It's a short ten seconds, that. That's just all you get. Oh, and uh, Perry says uh, uh, 4.8 out of 5. Ooh. Ooh. I think you should have put pi in there. You should have put 3.14. Okay. I think, in because some people... Spoke a long time ago, although we're at the three-hour mark now. Maybe you want to give them the opportunity to say any closing thoughts when you go to them. Sure. Okay. Uh, actually, if you want to do that, because you know the order, so if you want to go back to the, the beginning of your order and... Okay. Speak. Right, I'm will do. Go. You okay? Uh, Ken, any final thoughts? Thank you for being here. And anything to add? No, I enjoyed hearing what everybody said. I'm... Love the episode. Uh, that's about all I'll say. I, I, I consider it a gift, and it, it, it was joyous. It was, it was great, and looking forward to the future, Doctor Who. Okay, well, Rick Walls dropped off audio, so uh, Jeff, any final thoughts? Thanks for staying with us. Uh, really enjoyable episode. Uh, BBC just outdid themselves this past week with all the specials and uh, BBC America as well had some uh, extra things that were really nice. Uh, I couldn't have think of a better anniversary for the show. Great stuff. Thank you. Perry, thanks for staying to the end and uh, any final thoughts as we finish? Yeah, sure. Uh, no, I just thought it was um, I just thought it was a lot of fun. I may have liked to have seen maybe a few more of the other other doctors, and certainly Eccleston and McGann, but, um, but otherwise, I thought it was great. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and um, yeah, I'll still be thinking about it for a while. Did you want to say some that point about the scarf that you mentioned? Did it, or did it get covered by someone else? I think it partly got covered, but I, I mean, the only thing I wanted to say was I was trying to figure out how the, whether or not I liked seeing the scarf in there. I can kind of understand that one of the, like, one of the science um, consultants or whatever for a unit would would maybe be studied up on the doctor, you know, and things like that. And she was obviously a fan of the scarf, but uh, I, I'm still not sure how I take that you know, having the scarf in there. But it was fun. Bit of an in joke, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, uh, Darth. Uh, any final things you want to cover? And uh, thanks for staying with us. I'm hurriedly rewatching this thing to try to figure out. The uh, uh, well, come, should I come back to you? Should I come back? No, 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 because no, uh, well, yeah, come back to me because at the moment oh, yeah. it looks like it's a production error. 
So go on. Somebody okay, Kobo, okay. uh, if you want to unmute yourself and just give any final thoughts and thanks for <laughs> waiting. I thought um, it was a great show and my overall rating is a 4.5 out of 5. I don't think it's the best multi-doctor story we've we, we ever had. Carl, let's go to you. Carl, thanks for staying on the line. And um, any final yeah. thoughts? Um, I was thinking about the effect. Maybe because the Queen saw us getting thrown by through the thing that she needs to put one there. On the off chance they might pick it up. No. Do you want to add anything more on that or not? No. Okay. Okay, okay well, thanks for staying with us. Uh, that's great. Uh, before I go to Ian and then we'll... Uh, well, actually, before we go to Darth, because I'll let Ian go last. Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed it, um, although I did uh, take some issues with the fact that um, there seemed to be a little bit of silliness in there, but um, uh, uh, it seemed as though David Tennant had that role, although it was pointed out that he had some other roles. We did have quite a lot of similarities indeed, like the um, uh, the fact that, uh, you know, it, it's the older Doctor, well, not the older Doctor, but the the uh, the, the warrior Doctor that um, <laughs> reprimands the younger guys for their flippancy and timey-wimey and, uh, and silliness uh, with the, uh, the, uh, the sonic screwdriver. And I think uh, I agree with Kobo that uh, we, we get some good reasons for the sonic screwdriver being used it's not just a, an easy get out clause although in a way it is but they did give some sort of logical explanation love the scene with the all the doctors up on the uh, the screens uh, uh i'm not sure how i finally think about the fact that uh, we had the curator at the end but i think that was again something in there definitely for the fans that won't have spoiled it for anybody else and may have made a, a real treat for some people. So uh, with that, I hope we've uh, given Darth enough time to come to uh, the point he was going to mention. And then after Darth has spoken, we'll go back to Ian to uh, to lead us out. So Darth, did you find what you were looking for? Um, well, I don't know if I've had enough time to thoroughly search the thing, but I think I have. And it looks like it's simply a production error. It, what happens with the Fez is apparently this. John Hurt's doctor finds it. He goes through the time window. He arrives in 1562. For one brief shot, he has it still in his right hand. And then when we next come back to him, it is magically gone. And then uh, there is one long shot where you see it on the, the floor of the forest. And then it is gone after that. And it doesn't come back. As far as I can tell, it doesn't come back to the production at all. So it literally dies a death somewhere on the forest of... Unless one Maybe. of the Queen's servants picks it up. Yeah. Um, there there I you suppose, go. I suppose, but you really have to stretch yeah. your imagination uh, to think that they would even care about it because they are there. Well, they might. They'd with... never have seen a fez in those days, but they'd never seen a fez. It might be quite a... Yeah, uh, a unique piece of attire. Wouldn't they have? Isn't this around the time of the Crusades? They wouldn't have seen it. 
Mm. I don't know. I don't know, 1562, I well, that. The people that have never been out of the country wouldn't have seen it. But yeah, anyway, the point is it's yeah, it, it's but, as likely an oversight as anything else, yeah. Yeah, it's very weird. But anyway, uh, no, uh, a fabulous uh, time had by almost all, apparently, uh, for the 50th mm. anniversary. Uh, and I'm not bucking that trend because it was a delight. And maybe my favorite moment of the entire time was when all of a sudden there was a space-time telegraph. I love that reference to the past, and especially because it had relevance to the Stewart family. Oh, yeah. And, and Mike has put a link into the picture with the fez in the foreground and the Cyberman picture in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Thank I you. did see that. I did see that. That is a very weird um, thing going on there because it's, it's a like a... You know, 19th century. They're on a raft. Yeah, it's almost like. I think it's. I think it. And my art knowledge is not great enough here, but I think it is just an imitation of another famous piece of art. And it's altered to show these uh, Cybermen so as to make sort of an in joke that this was an alternate history. It seems like an alternate history, yeah. Yeah, kind of. It looks like that artist who used to do to paint his figures in a tubular form. I'm trying to remember the name of the artist down. I can't. Hmm? He used to do the the bodies, not cubism. It was like tubular shapes. Picasso, um, are you thinking like, of? They look like the Melchior. Melchior. What's the? No, not Picasso. Now. Anyway, um, I think. Um, we don't want to just sort of fade away now, Ian, so I think it's time to, to wrap us yeah. up. <laughs> All righty. Uh, as long as you've got the, uh, the the closing music ready to play, um, I can close us out. I have indeed. <laughs> All right. Well, until next week, when, of course, we will be talking about uh, Adventure in Time and Space and the Five-ish Doctors. Uh, I'm to say this. It's goodbye from Mr. Dave A.C., Let's goodbye from Ian, Six Doctor. Goodbye, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.